What's going on, everybody? Dry Season Podcast. We are in the building. It's you're here on a Sunday afternoon. About to get into our NFL bag. You know that uh, the NFL draft is a couple weeks away, so it's definitely time to get into everything that's gonna um, all the skill position guys for the next level. We got a jam-packed show for you guys. We be hopping in the film room today, so it's definitely a draft season exclusive. Um, we have a jam-packed show. A couple, we got some great guests lined up for you today. Um, a couple brothers on, on the on the pod with us today. A couple guys who I'm a, a huge fan of their work. Um, big big shout out to the crossover episode we're doing right now. Shout out to the Deep Cover Podcast. Um, joining us on today's show, I got my guy Kerry coming to you from Norfolk, VA. I got my guy Chris. Chris, where you at right now, bro? Brooklyn. Brooklyn. BK, 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 what it do? So yeah, draft season podcast, and also got my brother Matt Infield coming to you from Cheeseland. Matt, what it do, bro? I'm chilling, bro. A little Sunday off. One show today, so I got a little time to fill in, uh, fill in with the boys, talk some Ravens, talk some wide receivers in this upcoming draft, you know? Yeah, man. So like, like I said, um, shout out to the Deep Cover Podcast. So I definitely wanted to start off. Uh, we could definitely start off there for you guys. Tell the people a little bit about the pod. Um, Karen, we had a little conversation off rip about um the origins of the pod. You guys get into, you guys have genuine conversations, and you guys get into nitty gritty, nitty gritty covering the Baltimore Ravens. Um, so tell the people a little bit about um the show, um deep cover the origins and how you guys got started with everything on the program. Yes, sir, man. So it started off as a group chat. You know, um, Mike, who was our other co-host, who's, uh, you know, just, just popped on. He, Mike, what's he, up, man? Um, hey, what's going on, fellas? Yeah, so that's the guy right there. Kind of Mike reached out to both of us, you know, through group chat. Um, and the conversation just, you know, just sparked from there. Very organic. Everybody kind of respected each other, kind of like-minded in their approach. And uh, the first comment we had could have been a podcast because we talked for like three hours it out but you know we we uh we didn't but it, we we hit the ground running from there man just you know we we try to bring an approach of um respectful take don't really do the hot takes and all that but you know we try to get down to the bottom of things and um you know we're not afraid to go there as far as the social um you know thing too but we definitely gonna get get you ravens we definitely gonna get you draft and uh you know we'll get a little music too. so you know we, we like to we like to dabble in a little everything. So definitely. So we got we got Chris and Mike on here. So uh Chris, I'm gonna, we, we can definitely start with you because um you're the homie and I've been following you for a minute. We've been on um it's a, it's a lot of stuff we can talk about today. So um but I do it's it's always a great point to start here. I think just a little bit about your like your football background because it's always interesting. Um even even growing up in New York, because New York's not really, you know, you got people in New York who, who are fans of football, but it's not really, you know, like your your football heavy area in the same way it might be in the South. Um, so yeah, what was your, like your football upbringing? When did you really start diving deep into film and how the hell did you become a Ravens fan, bro? So, um, I, I started, like, I fell in love with the draft actually from a football injury. I got my tooth knocked out and I couldn't play. So can you, can you take us through that so play? How, how did your tooth get knocked out, bro? Man. So my best friend, <laughs> he went to tackle someone and his head went back. My helmet came off. So he his head went back right into my face, oh, and man. my front tooth just came right out. The whole thing came right out, and um, they told me I couldn't play for like a month, two months, something like that. And uh, that was close to draft time. It happened in, in March, so I never paid attention to the draft. So I was like, all right, let's see what this is about. Like I'm bored as hell. I got nothing to do. My mouth is all swollen. I look like Kanye. So let me go, let me watch the draft. And um, ever since then, like I. 
got the SI magazine, the sporting news, and uh, I kept up with it ever since. And that was 2005, uh, yeah, 2005, that draft um, where uh, Aaron Rodgers came out. That was the, the first draft I ever followed closely like that. And as far as being a Ravens fan, that came from a football coach because uh, I wanted to make the move to safety. And uh, he was real dismissive. He was like, you don't want to play no damn safety. And I was like, I, I want to play safety. He was like, you know who you need to watch? You need to watch Ed Reed. So I was like, all right, cool. I'll watch Ed Reed. That was in 2003, he told me. So 2003, they had Ed Reed, and then they had my favorite player, Deion Sanders, who came back out of retirement. So I was like, oh, they got Dion and they got Ed Reed? All right, this is my team. And ever since then, I've been rocking with them. No, they're not sure. And, and let's get to get to Mike, who just popped in on her a little bit. Um, and like I said, Deep Cover Podcast, you guys definitely need to check out the work that they do. Um, so, Mike, tell the people a little bit about your, your football background. Um, and it seems to me like you got, you put together the um, the show a little bit. So tell us a, a little bit about the um, the origins and the genesis of Deep Cover and your football background in general. Well, I start with my football background because that's brief. Uh, <laughs> I, I played uh, briefly and badly cornerback uh, in high school. And I joke, uh, my coach used to always, a lot, lot, of, lot of DB coaches say this, right? He used to always say, Crawford, slow feet, don't eat, and you look like you on a hunger strike. So, <laughs> uh, you know, I was I was short, I was slow, and uh, that's a bad combination at DB. So uh, didn't, didn't didn't last long on the field. Um, and then just, you know, I kind of I kind of always was into the X's and O's part of it, uh, because, you know, you you when you're out there, you you figure out pretty quick, you know, whether you you can play or not. And so that was kind of that, that was that was kind of the thing that I could do. Right. I knew I wasn't as athletic as the other guys, but I could study. You know, I could look at film. I could try to look at what was going on. And that would give me, you know, uh, an ability to at least get on the field a little bit because I, I, I kind of half knew what was going on. Um but you know, at some point, you you, you got to be able to play. So <laughs> uh, that that's kind of how uh, the football thing went for me. But then, just in terms of the show, um, you know, Carrie pretty much said it. The three of us just connected over Twitter. Um, you know, we were football fans. We were Ravens fans. Uh, I was a Browns fan. I, I'm from Ohio originally, from a family from a family of Browns fans, and so that kind of is how my Ravens connection developed. Uh, you know, we lost the team team, you know, essentially came to Baltimore. I mean, it was most of the same players, right, when when Baltimore got the team. And so I had a connection with the players, you know, that I rooted for. So I said, well, let me let me, let me just root for the Ravens. And then when the Browns came back, I, I mean, I kind of followed them, but it just wasn't the same at that point because I, I didn't know those players. I didn't really have the same kind of connection anymore, like, uh, you know, that I did. So kind of just, uh, you know, stayed on that Ravens train. And obviously they, they've been pretty good. Um, during this time. But anyway, we, we just had a, a perspective that we wanted to share. I mean, I think that's what it comes down to. Um, you know, there are a lot of podcasts out there, a lot of football podcasts, a couple of different ones uh, in, uh, in the Ravens community. And we just felt like our perspective was different and we wanted yeah, to share that. Sure. So that's that's how we came together. Yeah, Slow man, feet man. don't eat and you look like you're on a hunger strike is a bar and a half, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> throw that out there. No, DB, co- the- DB coaches, man, you know, they they, they know how to talk that talk. 
That's what I was about to say. DB coaches, receiving coaches, all like the indie coaches that used to run the little drills, man. That's where they were some of the, the most running back coaches, bright, running back coaches or savages. Yeah, too. those are some of the most brightful yeah. um, personality that you run into. Like anywhere, <laughs> any any football team, those are some of the best people that you can run into. Line coaches are also usually awesome, oh, man. Special you'll team. Get, you'll get if you yeah. get the right special teams coach. Like I think about like Mike Westoff with the Jets on hard knocks back in 2010. He had far yeah. some days. <laughs> So I think even so, even oh, yeah. uh, Matt, you could you could take you could take a little hold of the rundown as we get into some of the more Raven stuff. So I think for my one, my first question is, um, I, I wanted to talk about this, and I guess we can we can use this, and, and like I said, Matt, you can, you can grab the rundown after this. Um, but one thing I did want to talk about you guys because you guys had a, a wonderful conversation with with uh, Matt Waldman, one of the uh, the pillars in the, in the football community. Um, definitely check out the RSP if you don't. Some of the best work you guys did an amazing episode. And like you guys said about bringing a different perspective, you know what I'm saying? It was it was a great episode that you guys did and and and, and talking about other things that happened. So one thing that's that's heavy on my mind right now in, in draft season is and every day, you know what I'm saying, particularly with my guy Justin Fields. If we get we, I wanna I wanna see how the room feels about what's going on in in, in in regards to Justin Fields' stock. Because this is a story that we've seen numerous times over the years. The story, the, um, you know, the story changes a, a couple lines here and there um, each season. But it's, for the most part, you know, the best. I mean, it's the same story every year. And I, one thing I, I told you guys is about inherent biases that happen um, when we're talking about the NFL draft. So, I mean, just just general thoughts from you guys. Because it, it was the same thing, the same exact situation with Lamar Jackson. My question about Lamar is, you know, even even me seeing him as a bit of an underrated passer for what he does, um, from from where people thought he came into the league as a passer and what he's shown on tape over his first couple of years, it's definitely way more improved than anybody gave him credit for. Um, so very long winded question by me, but you guys can't take the take the grabs on this. Um, Justin Fields biases in the NFL draft. Stop tanking. What do, you, what do you guys seeing right now from your point of view? Well, I'll say this. I'll let the Ravens flock take control of this in a second. We have made progress, though. No one has suggested that Justin Fields should play wide receiver or running back in the NFL. <laughs> so we're making progress here. Uh, you got it. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> no, man, yeah, it's crazy. I, 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 I thought it was going to. Oh, go ahead, Chris. Oh, all right. Um, no, I, I thought it was going to be um, like back in September. I thought all this talk was going to be with Trey Lance. I didn't think it was going to be with Justin Fields because, uh, you know, Trey Lance, he was opting out this season. So I'm like, all right, they're already going to come after him. He didn't have a lot of pass attempts uh, during the season in 2019. He was a running quarterback. So I thought that narrative was going to be placed on him. And Justin Fields comes in, you know, he lobbies for them for the Big Ten to play the season. Uh, he gets hurt, comes back, still balls out, and they're questioning his love for the game. And it's like everything is right in front of you. You know, you, you don't hear anything bad about him. He's never been in trouble or anything like that. He's a leader on Ohio State's team. And it just, it's like it doesn't matter what you do. No matter what you do, you're still going to get that label and those questions of whether you love the game, you have a passion for the game. And, uh, like it's it's gonna happen next year. It's gonna have happen the year after, and but I'm glad that we have voices like JTO Sullivan who will put people on blast, put the national media on blast. Somebody got to say it, man. Somebody got yeah. And, and I'm glad he did it because that JTO Sullivan clip made its rounds all through social media, and hopefully with more people like him speaking out on it, it'll elevate the 
big media's, you know, kind of hive mind that they have where these black quarterbacks have to change positions or, you know, whether they love the game or not. Hopefully it'll elevate their game and, and you know, have let them have more intelligent conversations and fair conversations when it comes to these players. Go ahead, Kerry. Yeah, it's kind of crazy, man, when you think about it. Um, so the league, they say they want size. You know, they say they want size at the position. They say they want production at the position. They say they want poise at the position toughness at the position well the guy has all of those so you know what are we even talking about and to boot he's got athleticism and this is not a guy that's out there just always looking to run you see him um poised to stay in the pocket read the defense go through progressions and then he takes off running if nothing is there or design run then of course he's taking off but you know still we're having this conversation about um you know, things that are kind of go to to a point where it's coded language. You know, we we don't really have an excuse, so we got to try to find one. And then when we find one, we got to be very vague about it. I would for somebody to put their name on this stuff and really, um, you know, if, if there's a specific issue, if there's something going on with him, tell me exactly what it is. You know, don't don't hide it and say, oh, well, you know, there is leadership questions or. You know, we have concern about how much he loves the game. Uh, if he didn't love the game, this guy went battled through the injuries that he battled through um, to lead his team. So, I mean, it's it, it's just so overt, man. It's it's just crazy that, that it's just out there and, like, a, a lot of people just aren't running it. Mike, what you thought, yeah. man? Yeah, and I, I know we're not doing, you know, the the – the debate on society at, at large, but um, <laughs> I think, you know, we're always probably going to see some segment of the population and, and that gets reflected even within the population of the NFL who holds these kind of thoughts. Right. And I try not to sugarcoat it and just say, look, what was really said was Justin Fields is lazy and dumb. Right. So when you say uh, last in first out, doesn't love the game, one read quarterback, that's what you're saying. You're saying he's not smart enough and he's lazy, right? So like Harry said, that's how you feel. Put your name on it. Yeah. Don't say anonymous league sources told me. And what's crazy about the Dan Orlowski thing is he does a breakdown of Fields' tape, right, from, from a guy who played the quarterback position on NFL Network. And he's pointing out how he works through progressions. And he's talking about, uh, you know, the timing and the accuracy and, you know, ball placement. Then he goes on Pat McAfee's show and says, well, somebody told me this. So look, don't don't play these games, right? Look, if you if you said one thing when you evaluated his film and how he played on the field, then own that and stand by that. Don't come with this other bold stuff and and put that out there. You know, I don't I don't know if I'm supposed to curse or not. So I'm, yeah, you good. You good. We don't, yeah, don't on the show. You good. Okay. So don't 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 try to put that bullshit out there. Okay. Um. So that kind of thing just has has always frustrated me. Obviously, as Ravens fans, we we kind of had to see that play out with Lamar. And I think you still see it play out, even though, you know, he's, he's done what he's done on, on, in some quarters, you still see people who will say, well, he's, he's, he's never going to be able to win. Right. First it was, he couldn't win a playoff game. So he wins the playoff game. Well, now he'll never get out of the playoffs into the Super Bowl, Right. So there's all these things. Um, but yeah, I, I think what was important for me was seeing and Kerry and Chris mentioned this was seeing a guy like JTO Sullivan put it out there because obviously you see 
other black players, black coaches, you can see black media members like Jim Trotter, you know, they call that what it is, right? And you know, that's that's what we're going to do. But seeing somebody like JT, it hits different, right? When it comes from him and he says, hey, let's get off this white QB savior thing, right? Let's just get off this whole thing and let's just call this what this is, right? It hits different when it comes from him. And it makes a lot of people uncomfortable because it forces you to look at yourself, right? You really have to take a hard look at yourself. And what do I believe? What do I think? Am I? Do I have those thoughts? Really? Everybody has bias. You just said it. We all do. Black, white, whatever. And it's not even, sometimes it's not even racial. It's just, we have biases, right? That goes back to, uh, you know, earliest days of human evolution. I see something moving behind that bush. Is it a saber-toothed tiger or is it the whip? I mean, you had to, to you know, uh, have biases and you had to profile certain situations for survival. So that's hard coded into our DNA. It ain't going away. But trying to yep. acknowledge that you have them is the first step, I think. And then being honest about talking about it is is, is the yeah. next step. So I, I, I love that he did that. And I got my I got my brother Miggy hopping on the show for us. Uh, coming coming to us live from NC. Miggy, what's in the cup, my guy? Just a little beer. Some I found in the fridge. You know, had to had to put it in my Patriots mug real quick. I had to, I had to make sure. Um, you know, um, as as you know, we we are huge Justin Fields supporters on the show. Um, we're just having this conversation know. about biases. So I don't know if you had any Justin Fields takes. I don't know I'm if you guys you mentioned. Do. Nah, he was the first player to start that petition for the Big mm-hmm. Ten to start playing football last fall. Like that right there says enough to me, you know, it's. Yeah, that and I think the the love of the game and the toughest questions that people are really asking after we as a country on New Year's Day all collectively hunt over his shit, watched him piece up Clemson after he was knocked out of the game and couldn't even get on a stationary bike. I mean, that right there is just the laziest take and conversation point I think we could ever possibly make because we all watched it. Right in front of us in one of the biggest games of the year. Like it speaks for itself. Definitely. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is hosting Jeopardy for two weeks. Does he not love football? (laughs) He he ain't sleeping and drinking football 24 hours a day. I mean, look, you Matt, I know you know if 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 the if the Packers get off to a slow start, I know you the you know the the cheese heads, they're gonna bring up him 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 hosting Jeopardy. Let's let's keep it a buck, man. Let's keep it a buck. And then, I think they'll call they'll they'll call for they'll call for Goody in the floor before they call for him. <laughs> All right, man. Where you want to take us on the show? Uh we have, we still have some more Raven stuff um before well, we get to the season. I, I think this is actually kind of like talking about like Justin Fields and kind of like the parallels with the discussions with Lamar a couple of years ago. We've got three people obviously that follow the Ravens really closely. So I think this is kind of interesting to get your guys' perspective. We heard all the the tired takes and narratives about him coming out of the draft, and I think a lot of people thought that the Ravens got a steal when they took him with the last pick of the first round in 2018. I guess when you guys watched him up close and personal, how quickly did you realize that all of the narratives were bullshit and that you had someone that even if it wasn't, I guess, polished right away in that first playoff run and the last, whatever, five or six games when you replaced Flacco in the regular season – but you guys knew that you had something special in your hands. And once he went through another offseason, that it was going to be dynamite. I'll let Kerry and Chris go. They're the stars of the show. So I always let them go first. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, Kerry. So, yeah, I'll say for me, I knew, I knew before we even drafted him, he was my favorite player in that draft. And it was because he had the pocket presence. He had pocket awareness, pocket movement 
And, you know, all of these things were things that weren't being highlighted, but you could just see it clearly, his game. You know, he he was a guy that always um, extend the play and make the big play down the field. And, you know, people got the explosive athletic ability and the run um, read option stuff. You want him, if you catch him in the pocket, you can't tell me he's not a quarterback next to, to Louisville. That's before he even got into the league. So, you know, I was pretty comfortable with him from there. I know he had some some base issues to kind of clean up. Um, and I knew he had some stuff to clean up as far as throwing outside of the hash. But, um, you know, other than that, I had no questions about him as a, a playmaker and as a player. So it was pretty easy to me to see that transition and to watch him get into the league, uh, clean, some of that, clean his base up pretty quickly um, and, you know, improve as um, as things went along as far as his accuracy and decision making and, and, and things of that nature. Um, has been great to see, and like he's a guy that's gonna work. Like, there's no question about him. He enjoys the work, and I expect to see another jump um, from him, which is crazy because the guy won the MVP two years ago. But you know, I expect to see another jump from him, and um, it's fortunate that he's gonna have to keep doing things like this just to, to, to some people that he is a quarterback. Go ahead, Chris. Yeah, I'm, I'm with Kerry. Um, you know, th- that draft class, um, I thought it was obvious that he was a quarterback. You know, I, I didn't think he was a gimmick. I didn't think he was, you know, a, a guy that needed to change positions like that was being put out there. Like he needs to be a running back or a wide receiver. Um, it was clear as day you watch him, you watch him manage the pocket and he did it at a high level. You know, that's that's not something that's easy or, or that's correctable. You know, like you could just do it one, two, three. That's something that you innately have to have is feel for the pocket, when to get the ball out, when to leave. And he he had all of that from day one. And, and you know, like Terry pointed out to, was he perfect? No. But, I mean, no prospect is perfect. So there were things that he needed to clean up. And, and like we saw him in Baltimore, he came in, you know, for Flacco, like about the halfway point of the year, was able to save the Ravens season, take them to the playoffs, and then – all through the offseason, we heard him working with his uh, with his QB coach. And we saw that in, in the 2019 season where his hard work paid off. And, you know, he took his game to another level. And, you know, he definitely exceeded my expectations. And I thought he was going to have a good year. And he ended up winning the damn MVP. So, you know, at 2020, it was a little strange because, you know, COVID restrictions and not being able to get to work with his coach, you know, the, the normal work and the normal teamwork. But um, I think this season, you know, it, it, the doubters, they, they, were, they were out in full force for him again. And uh, I, I think with a, a hopefully more normal offseason, he'll be able to make that next progression going into his fourth season. Yeah, I think you heard both Kerry and Chris uh, hit, hit all the points. So I'll just echo some of them. I think all three of us thought he'd be good. None of us expected him to be as good as he's been as quickly uh, as he's done it. And you guys mentioned Matt Wallman earlier in the show. I remember watching Lamar in Louisville and I'm looking at him and I'm looking at the other quarterbacks in that draft class. And I'm thinking, man, this guy, just in terms of what he looks like in the pocket, he looks like the most poised guy in the pocket. He looks like the guy who's the most comfortable operating from the pocket. And I'm watching him. And for whatever reason, 
the player comp that jumps into my mind is Steve Young, like an early Steve Young. I'm talking USFL, LA Express Steve Young, not necessarily, you know, him at the end of his career with the 49ers where he really was a polished pocket passer. So I reached out to Matt. I said, Matt, am I crazy? I said, I'm seeing like Steve Young. People are comparing this guy to like a running back. I said, nah, that ain't it. I said, this guy, to me, he has all of the tools that you want from a pocket passer. He just happens to be the most dynamic player on the field with the ball in his hand every time he steps on the field. So it was really like a like a conundrum for me because I'm like, this guy is a pocket passer. He's also the freakiest damn athlete on the field. And you just don't see that. And so when people talked about his accuracy issues coming out of college and even what we saw, uh, you know, as he stepped in kind of the second half of 2018 and then, you know, obviously 2019 with Magical, to me, those were all mechanical and they still are. They still are to this day. This is all mechanical. This is a guy who can throw the ball, right? He can throw the ball anywhere on the field, place it anywhere you want him to play, uh, to place it with touch, with accuracy, with velocity. He can do all of that. But, you know, his quarterback coach himself has said that he gets away from his fundamentals sometimes, right? His base, he doesn't keep his base clean. You'll see him kind of pop up and down and change his platform. You'll see him drop his arm angle. He can do all of those things. And, you know, with that Steve Young comparison, I remember reading Steve Young's book and he talked about that because Steve Young was actually a high school option quarterback. A lot of people didn't know that. He said he went to BYU. He couldn't even throw a spiral. He had to teach himself how to do it. And he threw like thousands and thousands and thousands of balls just to teach himself how to throw you know, a spiral and how to become a passer. But he said for guys who are good athletes, who are really, really high level athletes, sometimes the mechanical part takes a little bit more time for them, not because it's a comprehension thing like they can't do it, but because they don't have to do it. They're so good athletically that they can make the plays. You see it with Mahomes. Nobody would look at Mahomes. No QB coach would look at Mahomes and say, do it like that. Right. Play like that guy. No QB coach would say, but he's so damn good athletically that he can get away with it. So Steve Young's point was sometimes it takes a little bit longer for guys who are really, really good athletes to trust the fundamentals and get to that Tom Brady, Peyton Manning level where you just do the same thing like a robot every single drop, every single play. It looks the same. Ball comes out on time. Hit the check down. Hit the underneath guy. Right. It's boring. But that's how those guys made their living. Right. By just taking what you gave them, playing the quote unquote boring game. And then as soon as you made the mistake, boom, right, they strike. So I think that's the the next evolution for Lamar is to continue to work on those fundamentals. And I guess to, to sum it all, it's consistency. That's really all it is with him is consistency. We know he's got all the talent in the world. We've seen him make all the splash plays in the world. Now it's just about the consistency. Can you do the small things, the attention to detail kind of things at, uh, a, a ridiculously high level because we know you got all the freak shit. We know that. But now can you do the mundane routine kind of things that uh, that you sometimes have to do? We saw that in the Bills game, right? They were more than happy to sit back in zone and just say, hey, man, I dare you to check it down or throw it underneath all the way down the field. I dare you because I don't think you'll do it. I don't think you have the patience to do it. And he did. So, I mean, that that's part of young quarterbacks sometimes, right? They want to they make plays and they don't always want to take those check downs and those underneath throws because um, they want to make it happen, you know? So I think that that's kind of the next step for him. I don't think he gets enough credit either. You know, everyone loves talking about Mahomes and all the crazy off-platform stuff he could do, which is obviously a one-of-one. He's in a tier by himself. But I've seen Lamar on more than one occasion whip out a little sidearm, two-seam fastball into a tight window, and it's just – it's different. Like like you said, like that jumps out on tape and not a lot – sorry, I can't hear if someone's talking. Someone is go ahead. Oh, no, I thought I heard someone nah, talking about that. You good, you good, you good, you good, you good, you good. 
No, nah, so oh, no, but yeah, like like he's got some of the off-platform stuff that is unscripted that you just can't teach. That goes back to like like you said, he is the freakiest athlete at all times on the field. And I think that kind of like how this narrative, you know, from afar, I don't follow the Ravens as closely as you guys do, but from what it looks like from afar, 2019, obviously, they build the entire offense around him. And I mean, 2020 was as well. But 2019, it was just such a different look. And it was so dynamic and explosive. And I don't think a lot of defenses really knew how to prepare for it. He wins MVP his second year in the league, which is obviously really, really special. Like, not a lot of guys do that. Um, and then I think that this past year, like Sean and I have discussed it amongst others, like, it was just kind of natural regression. And, like, there's going to be the adjustment and now it's about the adjustment to the adjustment. But like you said, too, there are also the narratives that come with black quarterbacks. And when they come out of the draft a lot of time, big Raz. Um, there's also this, you know, the narratives that we heard when he was coming out of the draft were also reattached this past year when that offense came back to life. So you guys watching it up close and personal every single week. This past year in the offense wasn't as, as explosive. How much of it was like you just talked about, Lamar not sticking to the fundamentals maybe as much as you would like to the wide receiver core, which we're going to get to at some point in this discussion, just not being that's an ex- all that's an ex- all that's that an ex- dynamic. Ex- and then three, Greg Roman being a little more predictable and maybe not adjusting to the adjustments as much as you guys and the Ravens would have liked. You guys want me to start? Okay, I'll start this time. Because <laughs> the great, you know, the great Roman thing is a trigger for me. But I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to go too far off on that. Let's, let's get it. Let's get Mike, these takes off. Let's get these takes Mike is, is going to go off into his Greg Roman propaganda. <laughs> <laughs> now, I mean, look, I mean, they, you know, two full years as a starter, uh, they scored more points than any team in the league over those two years. But anyway, uh, he's he can't coach offense. Um, so, so, so I think it's a little bit of all of those things, right? I think people, all of us, you know, it's easier if you can point to one thing, right? If you can, if you can boil it down and say, oh, it was, it was this or it was that. But I think it was a little bit of all of those things that you mentioned. Um, I, I'd start with the offensive line as well, too. Uh, you know, you, you don't want to oversimplify, but if you go back and look at 2019, when he had that stability at offensive line. And really, I think they had the same five starters up until that Rams game where their center got hurt. And then, you know, even at that point, they had to replace the center and, and play with a, a rookie backup, actually a guy who had played tackle in college and I was playing center. Um, but the other four guys were able to stay at their same spot. So when they had that consistency and stability and, and quality players on the, on the offensive line, I think, you know, you saw what Lamar could do. And then 2020, obviously, you lose your right guard, Marshall Yonder. He retires. So you got to fill that spot. Um, you're kind of doing that with, with a mix of different guys. And your left tackle, Ronnie Stanley, gets hurt. Now you got to flip the right tackle over the left tackle. And it just created a domino effect that kind of played like musical chairs throughout the season. And that's going to be tough for any quarterback. I mean, we, we mentioned Mahomes. We saw that in the Super Bowl. Right? You lose your tackles. Um, you know, he had played with some different guys being injured on their old line, too. But we finally got to, OK, now you've got like three different backups in there. Even as, as, as good as he is, it's hard to overcome that. So yep. I think it's hard to, to underestimate the effect that the offensive line had. But, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't be keeping it real if I didn't say, hey, Lamar, you know, had some some things that he could have done better in terms of his consistency and the fundamentals. Uh, same thing with Gray Roman, as much as I defend him. Yeah, you've got to continue to, like you said, adjust to the adjustments because, uh, you know, the league had a whole offseason to see what 2019 was, right, to go back and look at that and to study that. So, yeah, it's that constant chess match 
in the NFL, you know, when you do something like that, you know, how are you going to kind of keep one upping yourself and keep evolving? So I think it's a little bit of all of that. Hey, hold on. Before before we get before we get into um, before we get your answer, Chris, hold on. Yeah, let's shout out. Let's shout out my brother Raz. Raz, what it do, bro? You hopping on here? Uh, Better late than never. Um, But what's good, my guy? How you? You know, rainy Sunday. What's going on? It, it is what it is. It is. I, I thank you everybody for for hopping on with us. I'm sorry that I'm tardy. Um, the world is a little bit unpredictable, but we're gonna power through this. Get through y'all Ravens. I know the the flock is strong. I have adverse feelings for the Ravens, but I'm gonna let y'all do what y'all do, and then we can break down. We can break down the the wide receivers too. So I mean, happy y'all joining us. Um, you know, I missed the intro, so I do have to tell everybody I am coming live from Queens, New York. Um, but yeah, let's get let's get right back into it. Uh, yeah, go ahead, Chris. You can answer the, uh, the the Greg Roman slander slander off, I suppose. Yeah, so I, the thing with me is it all starts with the offensive line. Like, the way the offensive line goes, the way this team goes. I'm, and I'm sure that's, you know, with every team in the NFL. But um, last year, they only had two guys who were consistent starters every game. It was Orlando Brown and Bradley Bozeman. If that's going to happen on your offensive line for any team, it's not going to be successful. So no matter who the who the offensive coordinator is that you have, it's going to be rough. And to look at what that offense went through with the COVID stuff, the offensive line shuffling around, I think Greg Roman actually did a good job when you sit back and look at all they had to deal with because they still made it to the playoffs. They still won a playoff game. And for, you know, everything that went on, it's like that's that's pretty damn hard to do. Like that's difficult for to give that to your offensive coordinator. And they went through they they missed Lamar for that game and they had to start RG3 and they tried to win a damn game with Trace McSorley. You know, even Tyler Huntley <laughs> had to get into the damn game. You know, so I I think people just, you know, sweep that under the rug, but it I, that's a lot to overcome, man. That's a lot to overcome. So, um I like Mike said Greg Roman is not without his faults. I mean, there are people, there are Chiefs fans I know that, you know, get after Andy Reid about some of the play calls that he has. So it, there's always going to be people that are, you know, second guessing something that doesn't work. Like if you, if you go for it on fourth down, if you choose the wrong play and it doesn't work, you're stupid. But if you choose the right play and it works, you're brilliant. You know, it, it's, it's always a double edged sword with that. But I don't think he's the main problem. I don't think Lamar's the, main problem i don't think the wide receivers are the main problem can they all do better of course of course they could all do better but i think the main thing is it has to be up front the offensive line i think if they stay healthy and they play at a high level i think everybody gets better lamar gets better he trusts his linebackers he trusts his fundamentals the receivers be able to have time to actually get open you know the run game improves where roman can call you know more plays where it's not like all right, we got to get the ball out of Lamar's hands because these guys cannot block. So I think everybody has to just get better, but it's mainly with the offensive line for me. That's where it starts. Okay, how you feeling? And um, I mean, just they kind of echo what these two guys are saying. That it it really is, you know, one of those things where we try to find one particular reason, but the the answer is usually a little bit of everything. And, I mean, what are we really talking about here? This team scored more points than anybody over the last two years, but what we're talking about is the playoff performances. And so the performances have come down to two things. One is turnovers, which has been a huge thing. 
And then secondly, when they've been forced to throw, they look uncomfortable doing it. There's not a cohesion there. So, I mean, that's really what what I'm looking for. And I'm sure everybody there, um, you know, in, in Castle there, into a movable is to just make it um, more cohesion forced to throw. And we're talking about a team that's on a short list of winning the Super Bowl, um, you know, when it comes down to to cleaning up those two things. So, I mean, just to kind of echo on what these two guys said, because the offensive line is the biggest thing, because Lamar won the MVP throwing to the same guys in 2019. And then in 2020, um, you know, he doesn't have nearly the same success throwing the football. And all you got to do is look at the offensive line. Not to say that that's the only reason, but when you have that cohesion and everything in the offensive line one year and you don't have it the next year, I mean, it's just it's just huge. I mean, you look at the playoff game and Sorry, Jerry Hughes like looked like Lawrence Taylor. They could not yeah. – I mean, you, you can't win that way. So, you know – this that's basically what it boils down to is you know they have to clean up that uh the playoffs you know scoring 10 points is gonna get you where you need to go it's actually funny like looking at the look at the packers up close and personal for my job it's kind of funny actually seeing the similarities here between two fan bases that are clamoring for another wide receiver or two uh both of them lost their star left tackles right after they paid them ronnie stanley i mean what was four or five days after he got paid this year, David Bakhtiari was the last practice of the season, the regular season, week 17, and then that came back to bite them in the ass in the NFC Championship game. The difference, obviously, in Green Bay is Lamar Jackson is not quite Aaron Rodgers yet, and I don't think, with all due respect to Marquise Brown, Marquise Brown is ever going to turn into Devontae Adams. But on the subject of that wide receiver group, uh, you look at it going into 2021 – and it's largely the same group of guys. Sands, you add Sammy Watkins from Kansas City. Apparently, they talked to Juju. They they talked to Juju Smith Schuster, and he made the terrible decision to go play with a washed up Ben Roethlisberger instead of being having a starter. Well, he he wasn't trying to. He wasn't trying to block. He wasn't trying to block for seventeen games. So there's also that. <laughs> I'll let y'all get to that in a second, but. Uh, the one through four on the wide receiver depth chart right now looks like um, Hollywood again, Sammy Watkins, Miles Boykin seems a little bit intrigued to me. Devin Duvernay is kind of, you know, a straight line drive guy, uh, returner. I mean, obviously super explosive in the open field. And then obviously Lamar's number one pass catcher is always probably going to be Mark Andrews. So I guess the question that kind of needs to be addressed here is two things. One, are you guys comfortable with that going into this season? And two, I think that you guys, Kerry, uh, just kind of hit on it. There's been this discussion about whether this is an offense that can come back when they face deficits just because they've looked uncomfortable throwing the football with that wide receiver group. So what needs to change for that to not be something that holds them back anymore? I love the addition of Sammy Watkins, and I'll talk about him a little bit and the rest of the guys. But for me, the biggest upgrade they made to their wide receiving core was Keith Williams. <laughs> as a coach, right? They brought in Doug Williams uh, as their passing game coordinator. It was weird how they how, the titles that they gave him. So they gave T. Martin. They also hired T. Martin uh, as the wide receiver yeah. coach, but Dub is the is the passing game coordinator. So however the titles shake out, um, 
you, man, you mentioned being a Green Bay Packers fan. You probably know Keith has trained Devontae Adams. Co- guy, co- cover team. I'm a, I'm a Jets fan, unfortunately. I made terrible oh, okay. life decisions way too early. <laughs> okay, my bad, my bad. Uh, but, yeah, so he's he's trained Devontae Adams. He's he's worked with Sammy Watkins. He's worked with other guys around the league. So, uh, you know, he's kind of known for, for really helping guys develop their game and kind of take it to another level. So, for me, I think that's actually the biggest upgrade that they made is getting somebody in to really work with really is, you know, by and large, a young wide receiver room. I mean, Sammy's got a few years on him, but the other guys we talked about are all really young. So getting, you know, Dub in, getting T Martin in to really help work these guys, help them work their craft, uh, I think is going to be huge. Sammy, I really like the addition of Sammy because I think he brings something that they don't necessarily have in terms of skill set, right? Sammy, um, as I watched a bunch of his 2020 games after they signed him, he still got that run after catch ability and he does it quickly. I mean, he goes from receiver to runner in like two steps, right? He's really good at that. Now, obviously everybody knows about his injury history and that's the thing um, that, you know, people are kind of going to latch on to. And it's fair. I mean, it's part of the record. You can't ignore it. But when he's on the field, even going back to to their Super Bowl run in, in the biggest games where, where they need plays, yeah, it's Kelsey. Yeah, it's Tyreek, but it's also Sammy, you know. So um, he he was a first round pick, a high first round pick too, right? I forget how high he went, but he 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 had Did he go four? It was high. I know. I can't remember the number, but it Top was 10, high. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So so he's obviously got the talent and the pedigree, and um, you know he's had his best year statistically was in a great role. I think it was right? four. Going, oh, yeah. going back to Four. Buffalo in 2015, yeah. that, that was his best year statistically. So uh, he's got familiarity with Greg Roman's offense. And when you talk about the other guys, you know, Hollywood, I think we started to see towards the second half, the end of last season, that they finally were just like, you know what, just get the man the ball, right? Don't don't worry about everything being a 20 or 30 yard down the field target. Get it to him short, get it to him underneath, just get him the ball, put the ball in his hands. Yeah, he's a small dude, <laughs> put the ball in his hands and let him make plays. And he did that. You know, you saw that kind of in the Titans game, had a good game there. You saw a couple games towards the end of the season, even though it wasn't a great uh, against some of the greatest competition when you think about the Giants and the Jags and stuff like that. But, you know, the guy made plays when you got him. Hey, that, yeah. that Browns game, though, I mean, that Browns Monday night yeah. game was maybe the game of the year, and he came up with the biggest play of the game. He did after having a couple of drops early in that game. He struggled mm-hmm. with a couple of drops early, but he, you know, when it was time to show a prove, he did that. So uh, I think he's a guy that you just have to trust to make plays and, and just get, you know, keep feeding him, right? Even if he has, you know, uh, a game like that Browns game where maybe there's some drops early on, I think you got to keep feeding him because he does have that sort of game breaker element to his game. Uh, you know, Miles Boykin is, is a guy who a lot of Ravens fans, real polarizing guy because. You know, all the measurables are there, right? And you look at how he tested, but you don't see it on the field. I was a huge fan. Yeah, I was a huge yeah. fan coming out. Yeah, that, that just hasn't shown up on the field the way that it showed up uh, at that at that combine track. So, uh, you know, still young player, still developing player. Uh, I like him probably more than a lot of other Ravens fans just because I think he really fits what they do and how they play. And then you talk about other guys like Devin DuVernay, another fast guy. Um, I'm probably the, one of the older guys uh, in this group. So I've always come to him to like Brian Mitchell, right, from back in the day. from Washington. That's how he runs to me, right? He's like straight ahead. I'm going to run through you or run past you, stiff arm you. You know, he's not necessarily a guy with a whole lot of wiggle or shape, uh, but just a really physical guy who has really good hands. I mean, doesn't, doesn't put the goal, doesn't put the ball on the ground. Right. So I actually like their wide receiver core. Uh, Carrie and Chris will tell you, I've never felt like 
in any of these previous seasons under Lamar that the reason they didn't win games, even the playoff games, was because they didn't have good enough wide receivers. I really don't think that's the reason. Kerry mentioned it. To me, it always starts with the turnovers. Four playoff games, 14 turnovers. I don't think people realize it's been that many. 14. So well, that, to, be fair, to be fair, in that Titans game, in that Titans game, Lamar's receivers did him zero hell. Mark Andrews included in that. True. There was a, there was a drop, but again, you know, there's there's both ways. Both ways. Yep. There's plays on both sides, right? Where guys are going to have drops. That's part of the game. But then you've also got to be able to connect on certain throws and not you know throw like give me interceptions too at times. So I mean, it go it goes both ways. But you're you're never going to hear me say you shouldn't try to add. Um, a very good wide receiver. I mean, that's just stupid. If you got if you got a guy who you can add who's a really really good player at wide receiver, you try to do that every single time. Uh, but is that the reason that they haven't been winning these games? I don't really feel like it is. I know I'm in the minority on that, but that's just how I feel. I mean, guys got 60, 65 passing touchdowns in two years, right? He's been a starter for two full seasons. Guess how many other guys got more than him? Four: Aaron Rodgers, Pat Mahomes. Russell Wilson, I think Tom Brady. So people say, well, their passing game sucks. Well, passing – offense is about scoring points, right? It ain't about yards and catches. It's about points. 65 passing touchdowns, fourth most. They score points in the passing game. They just don't have a lot of volume in their passing game, but they score points. Yeah, sure. And, the, and the, the, yeah, the actual – when we get to the playoffs, it's single elimination. And sometimes we can – we can't harp too much on, yeah, you got eliminated, but you know what I'm saying? You got like the fact that he's getting them to these actual situations definitely is more of a metal in Lamar stand than usual. I think Kerry and Chris, so we could we could we can move on a little bit into the actual receivers because I think Mike did a super good job of covering the the, uh, the Ravens receiving room. So I think as we look at 27, um I actually because the same same thing as I was prepping for this show, I'm like, yeah, the receiver core could use one more piece, but it's not in a horrible, it's not depleted, it's not barren. It could definitely use another. Uh, playmaker that can really open things up. So, Kerry, they have the 27 pick. Kerry and Chris will open this up to you, um, to you guys. What would you got? What do you guys think the Ravens will be leaning? Is it BPA or is there a receiver that you think will be at 27 that could really unlock a, a next level? What you guys thinking for that pick? Um, or were you thinking like more of a second or third round where they might take a receiver? How do you guys? Where are you guys at or at that currently? Uh, I'll go first. Um, I, I, it's always yeah. BPA I'm thinking for more. Me. Um, Okay. Yeah, I, I'll go BPA because when you when you try to you know try to panic and then you you just want to you have your mindset on wide receiver you pick up Rashad Perriman you know and that's that's not where we want to go you know what I'm saying so it's this team has always been a BPA team and that formula has worked they're one of the you know most successful franchises in the NFL yeah yep so it. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. And the, just the way the board stacks and the way it looks, I feel like it, it's either going to be um, offensive lineman, interior offensive lineman, or uh, an edge defender. Because I, I think this group has, you know, a lot of different flavors as far as the edge class is concerned. And, you know, they lost Matt Judon. They lost uh, Yannick Ngakwe. And I, there are a lot of good guys that are, that are in this class, whether it's, you know, uh, Aziz Ojolari, if he makes it that far, Jalen Phillips, uh, Quiddy Pay, you got um, Joseph Osai, even. So uh, it- we got Raz. Um, I think we could we could talk about the um, the class at large um, and get general thoughts here as we move around the room. Um, Raz, I think I think we can start with you on this, my guy. Um, so so, what's your quick landscape of this receiving class um, from top to bottom? Who are your favorite guys um, available right now and 
Um, just overall, who are guys that just stick stick out to you that is like this guy is gonna be a playmaker on the next level? Well, I mean, obviously you got like the top guys that everyone you know knows about. You got the Waddle, you got um Devonte, you got you know those type of guys. But I mean, those guys are gonna go pretty high. I mean, Kyle Pitts, whoever you want to categorize him, he just catches passes, obviously. But we'll keep receiver, him. That yeah, like, yeah, that's yeah, what I'm saying. Yeah, so it's yeah, like it's yeah, one of those yeah, things. Yeah. I mean. I think you got to start getting into like some of the guys that's going to be value guys, right? Because I mean, I think this class is deep. You know, we've had a bunch of deep receiver classes the last couple of years. So it's there's been a lot of decent talent that's coming out, but there's also going to be a lot of guys that fall second, third, fourth round that you could kind of get into. So, you know, I'm a home South Carolina fan, so I'll start with with Shy Smith. You know, he's probably a little bit more of a developmental slot kind of guy, but then you got Tylen Wallace Elijah Moore, Amon Ross. Let's get to the shot. Let's get to the shot, Smith. Raz. What, what's your thoughts on? What's your, we got. I got the tape. I'll pull it up. So, what's your thoughts on the on the shot, Smith? Obviously, um, I think since we since we can start here, um, this is a super deep slot receiver class. Yeah. Um, if you don't know, I don't think if you want more of the big body X receiver guys in this class, you know, what I'm saying there's a couple guys who might, you know, you got Demar Chase, who, you know, I don't even think he's the biggest body guy uh, receiver that you look at. He's probably like like six one, super physical. You know, aggressive, violent after the catch is type of stuff you want to see. But the normal, you know, big receiver guys, I don't necessarily think you're gonna find that in this class. It's a lot of slot receiver guys. So what's your what's your take on on the on the shy Smith? You made a lot of big plays out of the slot. Um yeah. we're gonna have some some we'll have some tape that can accompany you um with this. So yeah, you can go ahead on the um on the shy Smith Raz. So on the next level, he has a he has a bunch of things he's still gonna have to work on, but I think you need to start with his toughness and his run after catch, like right here. That's just pure speed, right? Like he has that jet. He's built like a running back, more so like um, what's his name? He, he's built just like um, dude on the 49ers. What's his name? Um, I'm blanking Debo? right now. Are you, yeah, are Debo. You, Debo. They're both similar. They're both similar. Yeah, they're similar. Yeah. Similar kind of guys, you know, same yeah. school, whatever. But like Shy, he's more, he makes more plays up the ladder. Like he'll go up and get it too. So I think that's kind of the difference. And he's going to be somewhere, he's going to fall third, fourth round. And whenever, whoever's going to get him, is going to get somebody that's going to make that 54-man roster who can help in punt return, kick return, and he's going to be able to make an impact right away. Street saying South Carolina, wide receiver you, Debo Samuel, Brian Edwards, Chase Smith. <laughs> Brian Edwards is my guy, man. Uh, we, we should say, we should say, you know, we should start looking more at these Gamecock receivers, but, like, you know, Clemson's the town, talk of the town right now. That's pretty cyclical, so we'll see when Carolina back on top in, in another decade. <laughs> But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be quite some time. We need a uh, dabble to go down for some type of crime. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, man, I mean, Shai, Shai Smith, man, Shai, I, I watched, took a look at him uh, down at the Senior Bowl, and uh, he was giving them fits on one on ones. That was it. Was shouldn't have even been legal for them to have him running one on one routes against those boys because. He did that same one-handed catch in the one-on-ones in the senior bowl. And that's something that you see where he's just he's not shy when it comes to contact or anywhere within his routes or through his routes. He's gonna go up and get that ball. Yeah, and that's that's the difference I was saying, like, you know, in that comparison to Debo, like like obviously they're similar, but like he's like he's gonna go up and get it. And like his catch radius is is much bigger than than somebody like Debo. So, so I'm just saying in the slot. You know, if you can really integrate him into your offense, you you're gonna have a playmaker for quite some time in that slot. 
Also, yeah, shout, sure. out to, think... shout out to Rios. I mean, we'll give a, we'll give a <laughs> shout out to blocky wide receivers here. But Debo Samuel is a fucking bully on the block. So that is actually he's actually a difference maker at blocker. So shout this out some of this, this is, yeah, shout out, shout out to the um yard depth of contact. Like you said, because Shy does, he's not afraid of the contact res. And I do think that's one of the more like appealing things of him. I think he might be uh limited to slot work at the next level, but I don't necessarily think it's a, a bad thing for him. Um you nah. see him, he, he yeah. can win deep. He can win deep, which you know, you see it a lot with, with the slot guys. You know what I'm saying? It's a, it's a big thing. If you can win vertically at the slot, you know, that's a, that's a big, you know, if you have a, one of those quarterbacks that can push the ball down the field, you know, that's something that could really be valuable at the next level. Um, I think, Chris, we could actually stay stay with you because you you love um, some Tylen Wallace talk. So um, since we're already on the on the topic, um, you, we could talk about Tylen Wallace and you pull up this film. Yeah, man, Tylen Wallace, he's, uh, he's actually the first wide receiver I watched, I think, in, like, December. And uh, he was the one I just I fell in love with right away because I saw a guy, he was, you know, obviously a hard worker. You know, he had a, a big sophomore year. Uh, junior year was looking like he was probably going to declare. Then he ended up tearing his ACL in, in practice in 2019, so he had to go back. But uh, he was a guy that came back uh, nine months after tearing his ACL. And he had to train by himself at home because of COVID restrictions. So a guy that's going to bust his ass like that to be back on the field and then seemingly almost not even miss a beat for his senior year in, in 2020. And he was just back to, you know, doing the same old things where he's, you know, making those combat catches where there are guys draped all over him. And, and you know, it looks like why is a quarterback throwing the ball this way? And then you see here where he has the yards after catch. And he's going to throw a mean stiff arm coming up right now. And he's just going to throw this dude right out of here. So, you know, he's he's my guy. He's only 5'11", but he does not know that. He In his head, he's 6'3". So um, he, he's a guy that I just – I love, man. And and a lot of guys, they, you know, they, they want to get on his injury history. But the ACL, that's the only injury that he's had at, at OSU. And, you know, not to say ACL is, you know, something you just like, all right, whatever. No, it's, you know, it's something that you have to note because it did happen. But this isn't a guy that's always injured or, you know, you, you have to monitor. Like, you, like say, a uh, guy I bring up is Jalen Phillips, a guy who's had multiple injuries over and over and over again. So uh, he, he's not that guy. But uh, I think whoever gets him, they're going to get a dude who can, you know, really – scare defenses over the top. He could play multiple positions, in my opinion, although he didn't do it at OSU. Um, I yeah, feel they like played they, him at the same position. Yep. Yeah, they just threw him out to the right side, which is what they do because they did the same thing with uh, yeah. with Washington uh, the year he came out. So uh, they didn't do him any any favors by just throwing him on the outside and say, here, just win one-on-one right there. Um, I think he I think that last – that yeah, that last play that I showed was a, a perfect example of something I love. <laughs> Um, you don't love like there's a lot of receivers who 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 mess around going east and west too much. He's somebody who who grabs the ball and is is looking north. He's looking upfield all the time. Yeah. Those, those are the yak guys that you love to see. Um, I think there's another play we could run right here, but but yeah, he has he has interesting. It's an interesting profile. Um, because he's a he's a super silky route runner. Um, he's he's pretty good at creating separation. And I think another another one of the things that he really does is contortion in the air. You know, um, his his understanding of where he's at on the field has been awesome. I think that's another thing. We're just talking about IQ. 
right here, you can tell he knows he's by the sidelines, and it takes a different, like, just knowing the geometry of the field. When we talk like wide receiver accurate, and this, these are these are things that that come um come come to play right here. It's another play right here. I, I titled it Willie Mays because we're talking about the difficult the degree of difficulty on this throw, you know. I mean on this catch. You know, that's this this it's 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 harder than it looks. It looks pretty easy on the on the replay, but you know what I'm saying, to make that grab over your shoulder. Um, I think we got another look at it right here. But yeah, Tyler Wallace is is super interesting. So Chris, where do you think he'll end up going in, in the actual draft? Um, I think he'll go like in the second, late second, maybe early third. But um, yeah, I think he'll go there just because he doesn't have the desired measurables that you would want. Uh, he he's not a tall guy. He's not a long guy. He he doesn't have the you know the time four three speed. But uh, if you know another shout out to the Matt Waldman RSP. If you read up on him in there, he you know Matt Waldman says he was one of the top three fastest wide receivers as far as the GPS tracking is concerned. So you could run a four three, you could do all of that on in the combine or your pro day. But I want to know how fast you are on the field, and he was one of the top three fastest on the field. Yep, and he can win at all three levels. So that's another thing that also sticks out for you. Um, I think I think we could we could pass this off to you, Matt. So we talking about some of your favorite receivers in this class. Who comes to mind for you? Um, it's it just you know dynamic playmakers on the next level. Um, just in general, guys that you're a fan of. Well, a couple of guys that I've just taken a little bit of a closer look at just in terms of I think they could be interesting if they ended up in Green Bay are Rondell Moore and Kadarius Tony out of Florida. Just two yeah. really electric guys with the ball in their hands that can kind of operate that short game um, in space. And if you get the blockers out in front, they're going to create something out of it. And I think that they could really fit in well in a Kyle Shanahan, Matt LaFleur scheme. I know that Moore is probably like a fringe top five prospect in terms of consensus where he's going to go. Tony, maybe a little bit beyond that. But those are two guys. If I need a receiver and I get them at the end of the first round, early second, um, I would be very, very happy. Because, I mean, the the consensus top three or four, when you talk about Chase, Smith, Waddle, and I guess Kyle Pitts, those guys are all going in the top 15, I want to say. So you're paying a hefty price. And I'm not saying that they're not going to be worth it. But if you could get guys that are this explosive, and dynamic with the ball in their hands, late first, early second. I think that's a steal any day of the week. So I think R- Rondell is pretty interesting. Yeah, go go ahead because I think um I'll, I'll let you go, but I think Rondell. But I, I would love the 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 thoughts of the room or more. I think he's one of the more polarizing guys in this class. And like I said earlier, it's a it's a class full of these like pogo stick hyper athletic right. you know slot guys. Um, but it's a couple guys in his thing. So how does the room feel about Rondell? Um, and his and his NFL perspectives. Um, I don't know who's trying to copy in there, but go ahead. That's me. Uh, so I'm a pretty big fan of him. You know, this is this is a loaded wide receiver class. Um, I think, you know, if you don't grab one of these top three, top four guys, you are going to do pretty well on day two, day three, grabbing somebody that can, you know, be an immediate impact. But um, more what I see the difference and just just watching tape this year, I saw a lot of prospects that couldn't read soft zones. Uh, you got a defense reading, uh, you know, playing zone. And um, one thing that more did over and over again is. Uh, just adjusted his speed you know sometimes it just takes slowing down just a little bit for that quarterback to hit you in a soft zone and you know once he's got the ball in his hands he's uh it's pretty dynamic um you know I know the trajectory and the the history for these five seven guys isn't too great you know we got Taylor Gabriel up there um from what I from what I read um but no I think he's a little different and uh same with uh Tony Kadarius Tony uh I know Matt was talking about him um you know, the only thing, the only knock on him is, you know, durability. And 
just his height. But I think, you know, the comparisons I see for him are Debo Samuel and Curtis and uh, Debo and uh, Curtis Samuel. So, you know, if that's going to be the case, then you know, I would gladly take him, you know, beginning of the second round, late first. I think I'm kind of – I'm just kind of past really carry about height. If you're dynamic in the open field and you could fit – now, like, I mean, if you're 5'7 and you're 130, that's a different story. But if you're 5'7 with a little bit of meat on your bones and you could take NFL hits, I'm not really all that worried about your height because NFL, especially creative by NFL offenses, are going to find ways to get the ball in your hands and let you do what you do best. And that's why, uh, like I said, like I think, like, you know, Rondell Moore or Harris, Tony and Green Bay would be interesting. I'm on a couple of other teams because I think that they're going to play to their strengths and not make them operate outside of what they do best. Yeah, I think you guys hit it on the head with his with his uh, size. That's just as far as the NFL landscape is concerned. Like, there aren't a lot of guys with this profile and, and the dimensions that he has. But the way the game is moving, I think we kind of have to adjust what, you know, the, the expectations that we have for these smaller wide receivers because a guy like Tyreek Hill, he's changed how you look at these guys because – I mean, there is a place for them. It's just, are these offensive coordinators going to catch up to, you know, these smaller, quicker guys who can you know, do damage with the ball in their hands and get them in space? And we see here where they use them on the end around. You got to get creative with these guys because there's no there's no debating that he is a dynamic player and there is a place for him on, on every offense. You know, what I, you know what I think about the guy talking on the Packers? You know what I think about when I see clips like this? Where would Tavon Austin be ranked and where would he go if he came out in the 2021 draft instead of 2011 or whatever it was? Forgot about him. Yeah, man. Yeah, okay. like there's college highlights maybe I've ever it seen. Just feels like, it just feels like he was, so far, he was so far ahead of his time. And by the time he got to an offense that really played to his strengths was with McVay in the Rams in 2017 or 18. And by that point, his physical prime was probably gone. But, yeah, it just kind of makes me wonder because he was with the Packers for a little bit this year. It's a great run. Look at that. Wait, what? Tavon Austin was on the Packers? Yeah, they signed him like week 11 or 12, something like that. He didn't really do much. Clearly, but I'm just like, <laughs> I, 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 did, I had no clue that was a thing. Like, as yeah, much sports him. as we cover, bro, like, I don't, I don't know, man. That's out of control. I might have to take a deep look inside. <laughs> Sean, what do you, Sean, where are you at on Rondale? Sean, you're muted, bro. Nah, man, yo, Rondell, Rondell is good. He's, he's really nasty. And like you said, you got to be creative to use guys like that. And I think it's a perfect point about Tavon Austin about, you know, the best the best offensive coordinators know how to get their guys in, in advantageous circumstances. You know, 5'7", five, five, 170, whoo, you know, that's, that's going to be rough, man. You know, I don't – like, it's going to be hard for him to run anything in the middle. Like, he's going to be nasty on, on – <laughs> on crossing routes, but even, you know, it's, I mean, I think somebody like, this is a different body type, but you, you talk about it with, you know, how he, he has, he has that Maurice Jones, Drew's ability to, of contact balance. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's really hard. Right. Um, the, the, the little guys are usually are kind of like, I mean, we got a couple, you know, guys who play DB and I, I even thinking about it out loud, this, this class of receivers is a, is a safeties, like it's a safeties nightmare. Cause if you take a horrible pursuit angle, it's one cut, and it's a lot of guys who are just gonna run by you. Just that it's, it's guys who who have that, and it's funny because I think if if we're talking about you know we've seen we've seen the um the nice the nice clock the nice watch that a lot of these pro days and 
in 40 times that we've seen these inflated times. Uh, but this class is fast. Like I know I've seen a lot of people make that point, but I, and you know, I, I don't know what the error time that they gave them 40. I think it's a couple um seconds um that you probably gotta take off it. But but a lot of these guys are fast. So with Rondell, I definitely think fit is gonna be a, a, a big concern with him. Um, because like you said, I, I do think he possesses the ability to win vertically out of the slot. And that's kind of just a huge advantage. But I think somebody who's kind of similar like to him, that I think I have that I that I think is more of a, a natural receiver. Um, somebody who I'm a I'm a huge fan of that that we can pull up these tape. Um, but Elijah Moore, Elijah Moore is somebody who I think I think he possesses a lot of these. It's funny because they have the same last name, but they they're pretty similar. Um Elijah Moore is is that uh I think he's I think he's five nine, so he's a little he's five, a little nine, bigger. One, I'm looking at it right now, five nine, one eighty five. Five nine, one eighty five. And and yeah, he he's out of that, yeah, he's out of that same old miss class. I believe he played behind um not not DK built and, not he is not built like AJ or DK, it must be said. But yes. no, he he's from the same he's from the they 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 share they share the, they share the same alma mater. They're not in the same um physical tier at all. Even those guys are both are freaks, but he was a freshman. Um, when both of those guys were out there. And I, I've seen a lot of great stuff from him. Um, he's pretty tough for, you know, a shorter guy. And he has that dynamic um, run-after-catch ability. Um, and, and like you said, yeah. I think looking looking at what he did, his his rookie season, he caught over. I mean, one, one thing for Rondo, I think I just wanted to mention because he, he was on my mind. But he caught like 100 grabs his, his, his rookie his freshman season, Rondell. And I think that's another one of the things that just scares me because if you look at Rondell Moore, before I get to Elijah, if you look at Rondell Moore's freshman tape, it's insane. But, the, the you know, 19, um, I believe it was an injury or, or something before he got hurt. And then this year he definitely called out um, on the season, the COVID um, shortened season. He, I think he had a leg injury. So, but we didn't get a chance to see him follow up what he did in his freshman season. So that's my only question with Rondell. I would just love to see more about him how his receiving look because 2018 to 2021 is a long time um and a lot of advancement um but yeah who, how you guys feel about Elijah Moore I don't know if you guys have any takes on him but we can run some of this tape um as you guys hop in here who, who played quarterback for Ole Miss this year oh I forget I forget dude's name but he, he had yeah, some he has some yeah it's another catching traffic so that's that's something for these little guys you want to see you know it's more of a mentality thing for these young guys like he puts like like I said, the slow goal is such just a nasty route. If you're if you're a safety, that's a that's such a, a hard route to contain. It is. But but yeah, especially like for a little guy, you, you love seeing a catching traffic yeah. like that because you gotta have you gotta be able to take that hit and keep going. It's not not everybody wants to. I know even like somebody like Robbie. Well, he just he, he popped it. up, said fuck yeah, and and took the flag. So it's another fifteen on top of it. And yeah, this is another grab. This is this is make a miss. You love this. You love to see that. And you know, feisty after the catch. That's what you. That's what you love to see. But like you, I said, um, I think the I think the phylum and, and the tier of these these shorter receivers being able to win. And it, it comes back to I mean, we, we can talk about like getting off at the line of scrimmage. And you talk about the rule changes that that happen in the league right now. And I think it's yeah, this is him winning on a vertical route. But yeah, man, the rule change just it make it make it really difficult to stop these guys at the line of scrimmage. Um, so I mean, yeah, Elijah Moore is just somebody who I think in the in the proper scheme, I think he has a lot more like natural receiving um ability than than more. Um, but we can we can still hop around. Um I mean Mig, any any other guys that, that catch your attention, um receivers that you're a fan of out of out of this class? Um, you know, I've got uh Tamori and Terry out of uh Florida State that I like. Um, you know, I 
with him, the only thing I worry about is, um, you know, he had a lot of drops um, in his career. So, you know, drops, he's not, you know, he's not too quick, you know, off um, off the line. And then also, you know, he's got to work on his, uh, you know, some of his routes and uh, just develop, developing that. But, um, you know, when it comes to size, especially in this draft class, um, you know, we don't see uh, – I think he's about, what, 6'3", 6'4", 200, 210. Um, you know, he's uh, you know, pretty good. Um, I like him, you know, great for the red zone. Um I think he'll create some problems. You know, I don't think he'll be a number one. He'll never be a number one. I don't think. Um, but you know, as a number as a number two receiver, I think we'll see something great out of Terry. Um, and then you know, I got I have my super sleeper with Elijah Cooks. Um, I don't know if you've got anything on him. Um, you know, I'll, uh, yeah, I can I, get to the I can get to the Cooks real quick. Now, I don't know if you guys are yeah. familiar with Elijah because he missed he missed all of. I think he got hurt in the first game. But I, yeah. Um, but if you look at Elijah Cooks, though, um, you know, he he led it, he led he led Nevada with catches in 2019 touchdowns. Um, you know, he's he probably has one of the nicest uh highlight reels, you know, out of on any of these receivers with the one one hand catches. Um he's got great size, six four, uh, what is it, six four, two fifteen, if I'm not mistaken, six four, two twenty. Um, you know, that I've seen some comparisons to like uh you know, Kenny G. Um, you know, we got Allen Light out here but um you know they're not expecting this guy to get drafted at all or if he does you know in the sixth or seventh round but um you know right there he's got he got both feet in right there in that on that catch uh no he's a mismatch for sure um he's one of my sleeper in the dynasty dynasty league i'm taking elijah cooks you know like you said sean third or fourth round i'll take i'll take my chances um you know i think if he would have played most of last year we would have see we would see elijah cooks going in the third or fourth round this year yeah, he's like said, I said, there's not a lot of big guys. Yeah, go ahead. Just five, oh, five. You said he's six. How, how much? How many pounds? Uh, he's about 10, six, four, two, fifteen, two twenty. Yeah. Okay. So he's, yeah, I, mean, he I, I haven't heard of him, but but uh, yeah, I, I like the way he's attacking this ball right here. Yeah, that's my. Now that's he, my he got a, he has a nasty. He has a nasty. He might not. Like I said, he might go like day three, but. It's not a lot of big receivers making plays like these out there that you that you really see. Is it? And you, like I said, it, it's a it's a draft full of short guys. Um, and and I think he, he he looks like he doesn't look slow. You know, I think he he might probably run around like a four four six, but I think at six five that might be enough. That's yeah, I agree. Um, you know, just just the mismatch, um, with him and um, you know, like I said, he should not he should not be going you know, round six, round seven, in, in my opinion. But uh, it's probably what we'll see come draft day. So, okay, I think we'll get you – yeah, go ahead, Matt, go ahead. Uh, I was going to ask real quick if we have any Terrace Marshall uh, film available because uh, yeah. in the shadow of Justin right Jefferson now. and then Jamar Chase, I feel like he's gotten overshadowed a little bit. He so let's talk, Yeah, what's the, let's talk about Terrace. So how do you guys feel about Terrace at the ring? Um, like I said, he was on that insane LSU team. Uh, and he got he got he got outshined by those guys, but you he he made the splash plays that you love to see. Uh, he he made the plays. He made a lot of big plays. Six three. Uh, he, and like I said, he's one of the he's one of the only guys who has that you know X the, the build of an X receiver. So that's one of the appeals of him. But how does the room feel about uh, Terrace Marshall Jr.? See, I wanted Great I wanted size. to ask you guys to uh, about him. I'm glad you got to him because Carrie and Chris and I all kind of looked at him and. Look, obviously, you see the height, you see the speed, you see that, you know, he plays above the rim. He also does some stuff after the catch. But we were kind of like, good player, but I don't know if I see a first-round player. And we all kind of felt like, well, we must be missing something because the consensus out there 
is that, you know, he's probably that, that, you know, uh, back end of the first round kind of guy. A lot of people see the tools that he has, but um, I got to tell you, I, well, I'll, I'll be honest. All right. So I'm biased, obviously being a Ravens fans, we care a lot about run blocking. Uh, <laughs> and I, How are we going to run block? How are we going to run figure, block? Go figure. Go figure. I'm a little biased. And look, and look, look, let me, let me just say this, right? <laughs> You're drafting these guys to catch the ball, not to block. That's off the jump, right? I understand that. But that that it concerns me a little bit, man. If that if that's how you compete, right? If that if that's that's what you want to put out there on tape in the run game, that you kind of just go let a man run up and just punk you. Um that, that kind of worries me a little bit. So I'll say I'll say as a as a Jets fan, unfortunately, um, we got a lot of picks this year, right? And I'm I wouldn't take him with either of the first round picks. Mm-hmm. So Two and what do we have? 23, 21, whatever it is. Yeah, I'm not taking him. I'm not taking him with two or 23. Then you get into our second round. We got a high second round. And I'm just like, ah, mm. I don't know. I don't know if I take him high second round either, right? So I I mean, I for yeah, him but, oh my- Raz, are you as a fellow Jet fan, are you saying that after they signed Corey Davis and Keelan Cole? Because I feel like that changed a lot of the equation. Nah, it's not even that, bro. I'm talking like Cause at this point, for me, like obviously the Jets need to draft for need, but like if we're going BPA, I don't know, I don't know for certain that he is the best player available in that in that first pick in the, at twenty three. At twenty three, probably not. Yeah, I agree. With that. No, but I'm talking about even thirty three or whatever it is, the one that we have. I don't know if he is. The, he's I don't closer know there. He's, the he's closer player. there, but if we're going BPA, you're probably right. Yeah, I feel like well, I could find got, two or three receivers before that. He's got the experience, you know. He's a he's a deep threat. He's a deep threat, you know. Um, pretty much on any team he's going to red zone weapon for sure. Uh, I, I'll say the one thing I saw from him, just watching him, he, you know, on these, you know, vertical routes, he did pretty well with separation. Um, and that, you know, that's, you know, that's probably helping him, um, when it comes to, you know, where he's getting drafted for sure. I look at, I look at, I look at him and I'm just not sure you, you talk about like, like Sean mentioned it, he's one of the bigger body receivers in this draft. He's not a 5'9 slot guy, which I like those guys too. But I don't think you have to worry about the frame play at the next level. And the skill set, I mean, every team needs guys that can win over the top. So I don't see why the skill set wouldn't translate unless he goes to Baltimore where he's run blocking 70 reps a game. <laughs> and he's experienced enough to come in and contribute, I think, too. So, so I think, yeah, and I think, like I said, I think for, for a class like this, he, he might, he might, I could, I could understand the, the lack of days ago. There's a lot of, like, concentration drops um, on his tape when you really watch um, even he had a he made a lot of big plays as the third um guy in that LSU offense. And even even this year, he made a lot of big plays um uh, before he got injured. But I think I think for him, uh his flexibility being able to play inside and outside is probably one of the things that like gives him, you know, uh, an advantage to where in, a, in another class that probably had bigger body receivers. Um you know, somebody might fall in love with the size and the and the and he can and he can run. So I think it's a pretty, you know, nifty combination of size and and yard after catchability, and and he's pretty when he's physical when he wants to be. But you know, I definitely, I definitely understand um, the run blocking for sure. That's something that stood out to me. Um, you know, a lot of guys prefer. You know, I can understand it if if you're one of these like five eight, you know, shutter uh, bug guys, like running running your guy off the line of scrimmage. That's that's fine if you're if you're five eight. When you're six three, it's like, bro, come on, what are you doing? Um, run run blocking for sure is definitely. Listen, if Hollywood Brown can outblock you, there's a problem. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's and it's that. not even and it's not even just in the run blocking. 
that that you talk about a guy that size, right? You expect him to see some physicality <laughs> as he releases off the line too in his routes, and he ran out of the slot a lot. So he had a lot of free releases without anybody getting their hands on him. Uh, and then when he was on the outside, like you said, he's running a lot of these kind of boundary vertical routes where you can see the trait he has there. It was run by guys. You can tell he can run. But when you're that big, I mean, one of the things that Chris mentioned, Rashad Perriman earlier, one, one of the lessons I always learned from him from, you know, because I, I, I was a guy that kind of liked him. It was like, hey, man, this might work out. But one of the things that I've always learned from that experience was the kind the level of contact from NFL cornerbacks and DBs is is. It's on another level from yep. college. I mean, you're going to play through a whole lot more physical yep. contact. Yep. And if you can't deal with that, you're going to struggle. So I, I mean, just worry about that with Marshall. Not that he can't do it. We, I just didn't get an opportunity to see him do it a lot because he was working out of the slot so much. Or when he was outside, like I said, he was just running that kind of outside release go route and just running past him. So that, that's kind of where I am. Obviously, he's got the traits. There's no, you know, in the body type. You, everybody can see that. But that, that's that's my concern. For the Ravens, you know, he's not the typical wing T wide receiver y'all need. Y'all need somebody who can really who can really block. Yeah, so. You got to get in there and get your hands dirty, man. You can't be scared. Hey, man, he, <laughs> just gotta, he, just, he just got to get in the room with uh, Patrick Ricard and Nick Boyle. He'll be great. <laughs> <laughs> so I think um, with – so I would love to get the room's opinion on Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase is another one of these guys. Um, like I said, I was a huge – you know, I was a huge Justin Jefferson, Joe Burrow fan last year. And but if you watch the games last year, Jamar Chase was just as dominant as either of those guys. Um, if you watch the national championship game against Clemson, you know, he might have been the best player on the damn field. He he's the one that gave AJ Terrell a nightmare. He's the one that that had AJ Terrell name on the summer jam screen. You know what I'm saying? He was the one that was cooking that man like a million different ways. So I mean Jamar Chase is definitely one of the premier receivers in this class. Um, take from the room. Who would like to start us off on Jamar Chase? I'll, I'll keep it simple. He's wide receiver one for me. I heard the comp that he's a more explosive Anquan Bolden, and I think that actually fits very, very well. Uh, all love to Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle, but if I'm taking one receiver in that class, it's him. I agree. He's a dog. Yeah. It's as simple yep. as that. He's a dog. And that's the thing that really was so polarizing about watching him and Marshall together. I'm looking at this guy that's three inches shorter. He's a straight dog, <laughs> right? So I'm, I'm trying to understand. But anyway, this is about Jamar Chase. Yeah, no question. He's 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 number one. He's wide receiver one. Yeah, and, and I see some Mari Cooper comps. I don't know how y'all feel about that. Well, he's he's got a lot more dog in him. We were talking about dudes that don't have dog. Amari Cooper, um, <laughs> no respect at times. Yeah. Amari Cooper's kind of forty fantasy points or two. It don't matter. It's, there's no in between. He gets all his point. He gets all his points in seven weeks, and you're just like, ah, it was a good draft pick. But those, we have, those seven we weeks you don't named, have them. I've made the executive decision. We are naming the Alka Seltzer Fantasy Player of the Year Award on this show, the Amari Cooper Award, because that's what he has. <laughs> this is this is true, but I mean, not Jamar, man. Like he to me, he's the best receiver in the class, and I know people don't. You know, people are very like Devontae Smith had a ridiculous year, ridiculous. Is this a bad tackle game. or is this too small? Both. What do you think? Bad tackle both. or yeah. too small? <laughs> it's both. both. <laughs> it's both. It's, that's that's both. I mean, but Jamar, like, look, he runs hard. He goes like, I, he's my number one receiver in this, and I have Waddle number two. Um, actually, so I've taken a lot of flack for that, but I mean, you know, Jamar. Jamar, I don't like anything. I don't. I don't. I don't have an issue with Smith. He's kind of slight. He's definitely an athlete, 
and he's definitely real. But I mean, I, I'm looking at Jamar and Jamar, like his routes, his his like he climbs the ladder. Like you said, run after the catch. He's a dog. Yeah, look at that shit, man. Like, <laughs> like, like, and back to the physical thing. To me, yeah. he was the guy who played through contact the best out of any of these top guys that I saw. And it's almost like he he wanted it. He wasn't just waiting for you to kind of put your hands on him. He was going to initiate the contact and kind. Of, look, I mean, he's just throwing dudes around. And, and so to me, like I said, that that's a big transition for guys coming from college. And he he wants he wants all of it, you know. So yep. I like I like that about his game. You can you run that one back? Down ten in this game. The yeah, idea that I like for him is. Uh... Hmm. I just like the late hands. Like he yeah, has that, late hands, the late hands, the late hands. Like he's not letting the the corner know when the ball's coming until it's there. Like, like he had nothing. Like the corner could do nothing about that shit. One great throw. That's AJ Terrell. Yeah, that's AJ Terrell, bro. <laughs> right here, you see the hands. Get off. Yeah, then another one. Get off. Uh-huh. And boom. Yeah. <laughs> like, like that's the lay hands in a receiver is something like from the college thing is where I look for the most because it's like a lot of receivers on the college college front they're showing their hands early, so the the DBs know when the ball's coming and they know when it's getting there. Like on the next level, that's not gonna work. You got to be able to deceive to have some deception on that. So if you're getting in out of your breaks, you know you're getting the DB off you with the quick hands, and then right at the last second is when you go for the catch. I mean that's that leads to success usually at the re- receiver's position in the NFL. He's a boy. Yeah, look, yeah. I mean, look at him. He's like, come on, put, put your hands on me if you want to. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Now see, look at that. I oh, had that, that play clip too. I had that play clip too because I'm like, look, this is what I want to see. Ravens trade yeah. up to four to get him. <laughs> but to me, the, the reason the reason I put so much stock in that is because to me, it's it it shows your competitiveness, right? It's not just about the fact that it's a run play and you're blocking on a run play, but it's your competitiveness. And I always think about something Nick Saban said, where he's like, "Look, just because a player has talent and ability doesn't mean they have the competitiveness to be the best they can be, right?" So you can look at measurables. And you can look at, you know, sort of the, those kinds of traits. But when you see a guy who competes in everything, not just when he getting the ball, like in everything, then to me, that's that's something that, you know, you, you really want to pay attention to. He does that. He doesn't care what it is. He's competing on everything. Did you title this video? Is it making Trayvon Dix his son? Is that what it was? <laughs> yes. That's, yes. Yes. That's, I mean, like, like poor Trayvon Dix, he had no chance on this play, bro. Like, let's <laughs> Poor, like poor Travion, bro. Travion's pretty good, but on this play, they they playing handsies. And he, like that's not a game you want to play with Jamar Chase. <laughs> You're gonna end up on the ground every time. I, I think that was a real unforgettable game for Diggs, if I remember correctly. It yeah, was. <laughs> it was. <laughs> I remember I was I was at a wedding, real fucked up, and keeping up with this game on my phone. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. <laughs> yeah. And, it's crazy, and that's right, honestly, like, it goes back to like, you know, like Sean, like we talked about, like what Justin Fields did in that Clemson game and how kind of like when you step up in those moments, like that kind of makes guys stand out, obviously. Like what Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase did in that 2019-20 LSU playoff run, it just kind of like advances that thought in your head, like these dudes are dogs and they're not afraid of the moment. And this is going to translate at the next level, you know? Oh, we're getting to my guy here. This is who we uh, need so to Raz, Yeah, Raz, take, take, take us away on this one. We could get to the Rashad Bateman. Rashad Bateman. Rashad Bateman. 
Rashad Bateman, man, he's uh, I would love for my the the New York fast planes to get a receiver like this. Um Minnesota has been putting out some solid wide receiver prospects over the last couple of drafts. Um Shout out Tyler Johnson. Of, yeah, I mean he's buried somewhere on uh, where's that Tampa Bay. Um Tampa they just have they just have too much talent. Like they, that's he tough. made some he made some plays in that in yeah. that Green Bay game, if I remember from the top of my head. I I uh, wanted to Jets. that was the that was the Kevin King pass interference call that sealed the game. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up! Didn't didn't they didn't they re up his contract? How much they gave Kevin King? Kevin King, uh, it's like six million. Like like this, he can make six million. It's more like two million. Got you. But I mean, look, Bateman, man, he's he's just a target. Like I don't know how else to even put it. Like he he wins yeah, I mean, off this, the line this, really well. Yeah, that's, that's a bad that's a bad cornerback though. We should probably get another. Another was it, wasn't that Greg, wasn't that Greg Newsom? Yeah, I like Greg Newsom, but Greg Newsom, uh, he has that Northwestern stink on him. He got to get once once the pro days and all that stuff happen, we'll we'll talk more about the Greg Newsom. But as long as he's wearing that Northwestern helmet, there's nothing worth talking about. Yeah, and you you got to get hands on Bateman because if you don't, he'll shake you. He will yeah. route you up. He will definitely route you up if you don't get hands on him. And what was ironic for me was you know Raven <sighs> signed. Sammy Watkins, and I'm watching Sammy Watkins, and then I'm also looking at Bateman, and I see some similarities in terms of that run after catch because Bateman yeah. in two steps. I don't know. I don't two know if Bateman is going. as fast as Sammy though, but I mean, I I guess that's left to be seen. I gotta see like I gotta get into more of his film. I watched a lot of Bateman this year, but I need to break down a little bit just more of the clips to see what his like in game speed is like because Sammy's very fast once yeah. he catches it, once he gets that ball. Like Sammy's, he can't stay healthy, but like. When he's healthy, like you said, like he he turns from receiver to running back quickly. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. And I don't, I don't, I don't trust any of the time speed this year. You definitely yeah. got to go off the tape because <laughs> yeah, 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 every, for sure. Everybody's running like they had the crib. I mean, it's four threes, all but like day, that's every day. <laughs> it's it's like that, speed, man. That, we all know that Pat, Pat speed that, that route right there, like that that extension on the catch across the middle. He's not scared. Strong anything. hand, strong hand. Yeah, yeah got strong hand. Just... <laughs> mm-hmm. and it took me you a while to come around. It took me a while to come around mm-hmm. on him because Chris and Kerry will tell you at first I was like, mm, I see a guy who just eating up off. I mean, just, you know, eating up off coverage. All right. Yeah. He destroying off coverage. Great. But the more I watched, the more I was like, OK, it's more than that, because when guys did try to press him, you know, he could get by him. Um, so I, think, I think I think. Yeah, go, go ahead, Mike. Go ahead, Mike. No, I'm just going to say that that's that's not unique to him. Though. I mean, that's all college wide receivers. Right. That adjustment Jesus to more Christ. press coverage. Is something all college guys have to deal with coming into the NFL. So I'm not saying you know that's that's unique to him. But the more I watched him, the more I was like, man, this dude has got some nasty releases and some nasty routes, and that translates, right? I think that's one thing we see with wide receivers. If you can route dudes up and you can release off the line, that translates. Yeah, I think he yeah, I can think- be this year's uh, uh, Justin Jefferson, uh, just the way with his versatility, where he's inside, he's outside, he has the full array of release packages. His hands, he's, you know, confident with his hands. Like, there are guys where you see them jump up, try to, you know, basket catch it. Not him. He's throwing those hands out, and he's fully confident. Like, I'm going to catch this ball no matter what. It's a lot of pressure for him, though, Justin Jeff. Ooh, just Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 see, I, I see what you're talking about. I see no, it, though. No, I see. Think about it. Think I about see. It. This is game speed, though. This is game speed, though. This is the that's the game speed that 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 uh, Chris was talking about. Oh, not Chris. Mike. So Mike was talking about, and it's just like. He ran a he ran I a four three nine at his pro day. I don't see. I don't know. If he looks like, more like a four five guy to me. He looks more like four. He five. looked like four. Yeah, like four four five. You know, like somewhere in there. Four. They were they were down. They were down thirty one to Illinois. Ugh. 
One take, one take on actual Minnesota this year because I thought it was pretty interesting going back through the tape. Um, the tape this year is not as impressive as, as the 2019 tape on on Rashad Bateman. Um, you know, circumstance some sometimes, you know what I'm saying? He had Tyler Johnson win in 2019 <laughs> before, so a lot of that might be scheme. Is he a number one or is he that that compliment? complimentary guy but he has the ability if you can play inside and outside that question does not mean as much and you can just fit inside of an offense pretty well but i definitely think from um, some of these plays that i showed this year definitely we saw a lot more of of him being a vertical threat you know what i'm saying so i think i think if he if he can show that if he's running 439 is you know like times don't mean anything in this class but yeah, four three nine even if you want to give him like a four four five like that's still that's still plenty quick enough yeah yeah, and he had COVID in 2020. I didn't know that. I heard him on a podcast not yeah, too long ago. Yeah, and he yeah, said he, yep, he actually yep. had COVID and then had to come back and play. And so, you know, he said, look, it, it took me a while to get myself back, you know, physically back to where I wanted to be. And, um, you know, that might be why, you know, maybe he didn't look as fast on some of those runs in 2020 as he did in 2019. So I don't, I don't want to, you know, take the man's speed away from me. He, he probably is in that mid 4-4 range somewhere. He's the T. Higgins of this class as far as, uh, you know, other players getting more hype than he is and kind of dropping a little bit. All right, so thoughts on, thoughts on um, Kadarius, Tony? Um, you definitely, like, if you watch anything with the uh, Florida team this year, you definitely saw a bunch of playmakers. Kyle, yeah, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of, like, run after the catch. Um, Kyle, one thing Kyle Trask can do is get the ball out quickly. Uh, so I will give him that getting the ball to, to Pitts and and Tony. Tony didn't have he he really broke onto the scene this year. Um, he didn't get much production the first two years, but he he had a pretty good year this year. Um, and like you said, he's in the same phylum as a lot of these these quick speed guys. So um, I mean, Mick, I can get your opinion on this. What was your opinion on Kadarius Tony? I know you comped him to to Curtis Samuel. Curtis Samuel is somebody who I've always been a fan of Curtis Samuel. But like I said, Curtis Samuel is somebody who we, we was waiting for the breakout. Um, these right. last few years, he's actually he was underrated last year. He was just throwing a he had he, he was unfortunately he had Kyle Allen Kyle Allen trying to give him the ball in Carolina, and that didn't go well. I think it was something to where he had like the most uh like most air yards that was just like on bad throws, like just strictly off of yeah, Kyle Allen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what's the room's opinion on on Kadarius Tony? It's another one of these love these pogo stick one of these pogo stick love speed guys. Yeah, he's great. Great at separation. First step quickness is you know it's there. You know yards after the catch. Oh, this is just him you know, rushing the field. This is not even a. This just shows yeah, you he, like he's tough. Like he's tough for his size. Like you can see it in this run right here. Um, he doesn't but, go down easy. <laughs> a, yeah, no, he's a he's a game changer for sure. Um, you know he's gonna. You know he's special teams for sure. Uh, you know from from day one he's gonna he's gonna be there. He's got experience, so he's he's definitely gonna be contributing from you know from day one. Um, you know played in the SEC. You know great. Look at that. That's just you know he's he is one of my favorite sub six foot receivers in this uh, in this <laughs> class. And I think what he's about what five eleven five eleven one ninety five one ninety or so. Um, so, you know, they're going to question his build, but, you know, we've seen in this, you know, this new modern NFL that kind of doesn't really matter. Um, so, you know, just shifty, you know, I think, I think whoever grabs him, and he may, you know, he may be one of these guys that, you know, goes late first, early seconds, I think. See him in, in seeing him in that. It's, it's, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, definitely no. Like the Curtis Samuel comp to me is, uh, 
You know, it's uh, you know, pretty pretty spot on. I, I like that better than the Debo Samuel uh, comps I've seen. Yeah, because they take it back even further. I was gonna, further. Further. I was gonna go Percy Harvin. Yeah. Seeing him in that Florida, you look like Percy Harvin. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yeah. same, 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 same tier. Yep. Yep. And they're not I that far that, off inside. I, I, I think like, Percy was like 5'11", 192, something like that. So they're not yeah, that far off about the yeah about the same size. And Percy's another guy like t- kind of like I mentioned Tavon Austin before. And Percy had more success than Tavon did, but like what like what would Percy Harvin be viewed as in twenty twenty one? I love this yeah. route right here. If you if you go run routes like this, I mean, if you're doing stuff like this on the inside, it's gonna be tough for him to, to like if you if you if you watch the way yeah. he he sticks his inside leverage, the DB has no chance on this when you're this fast. If you just check out the DB in no man's land right there, and this, he's in pretty good, you know, press. I mean, coverage if you for for when you're guarding a speed guy like that. But there's nothing you can do about this on a play like that. You know, I, I love. I saw this. This really stood out to me because a guy like them, he he was he was told. As if you, if you got the pitch for Kadarius Tony as somebody who was really raw, um, that's a level that's a level of route running that I love to see from 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 Kadarius. So and and a lot of the his catching traffic stuff, yeah, a lot of his catching traffic stuff was a little better than I gave him um, was I than I was expecting. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how he, he improves. And I also think like one of the most important things because you know after the draft it's it's easy to fall in love with guys when you see the scheme fit. But, you know, understanding the scheme fit that's going to be most important for these guys to understand what they're going to need. Like, as soon as they, as soon as soon it pops up on draft, they're like, okay, let's say he ends up on – like, if you put him – if you gave him to, like, Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan is a guy who who knows exactly what to do with somebody like this. So, those are those are things to watch just so you're making right. sure you're not falling in love um, just with situation. But make sure make sure you, um, the guy is talent and scheme. This is another catching track. If anybody else had any other thoughts on, on Kadarius? Oh, it yeah, just like I, goes I back to he's just he's just tougher than he's tougher than his frame. I think uh, that's important. Yeah, I think a comp for me. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say yeah, with him. Um, he he kind of has that wiry strength. Like a comp for me would be um, would be Tyree Hill, because Tyree Hill is a smaller guy, but Tyree Hill is a strong guy. So I think he can absorb contact better than I think people think and then if you watch his uh one-on-ones dude is out there looking like he's ice skating just had no chance with him and and i think it's still kind of learning that as far as the route winning goes so you know people are going to say slot only for him and that might be the case starting off but he's a guy that i think can play some z and you know we know he has the speed and explosiveness but i think he has the ability to make a Tyreek Hill kind of impact at the next level. I mean, it's hard to compare him on that. to Tyreek just because yeah. that 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 yeah. speed is different. Like that that like that's, that's, that's like, one of one. That's one yeah. of one. So it's kind of, but I get I get what you're saying in terms of like maybe making that impact on the on the playing field. But like Tyreek, like we draft season mantras, we hate player comps, and then we sit here and then do player comps every single time. <laughs> But but I think I think it's um, actually interesting because that's the first time I've heard a Tyreek Hill comp other than Jalen Waddle because Jalen Waddle has been the the one that everyone's gone to there. I just I mean Tyreek we should leave that one alone. Tyreek's one of those you gotta leave. Nah, he's one of one. He's, he's just so, yeah, yeah. He's such a fucking freak that it doesn't even matter. Like he's I don't know, but like I think Tony he he has a chance like to really make an impact in this league. It's just I mean I think for him it's gonna come to fit. What team he falls to? I don't know if he has the 
I guess he has the upside, like he has the ceiling, but I don't know if he has the the floor to withstand a bad organization, if that makes sense. Like he has to be put in the right offense. Yeah, I have some questions about him too. Uh, I'm not as high on him uh, just because I, I think just from watching him in, in Florida, I think he lacks some of the nuance that you want to see in a first round wide receiver. Um, like as far as the hand fighting during a route or getting off a press, you you don't really see the the nuance that you need in order to be successful at the next level. Now, what I do think is if you could get him, say, on a Green Bay, and he's not the guy, but he can he can be the guy that's you know right behind Ad, uh, Devontae Adams, and he could just cook and learn the the wide receiver position. I think that'll be a great situation for him because he does have a place in the NFL where because you see it on tape, yeah. like you see him, you get him in open space and ankles will be will be taken. So um, I, I just think if he can, like you guys have been saying, in the right fit, give him time to cook. And I think he can develop into the, you know, way better wide receiver just because he has the tools. He has the movement skills to do that. But right now, I, as a first rounder, I, I can't put that first round stamp on him right now. Hey, Sean, what, Sean, one more. We don't have to watch tape on him, but one more just kind of later round sleeper that I like, especially like if this is also kind of fit dependent as well. But Amari Rogers out of Clemson as well, I think could be a real nice yeah. sleeper that you get around three to five. Now, definitely. Um, I think one, one guy, yeah. One, oh, everybody had a take on Amari? Go ahead. No, nah, I think we was going to lead that to the to the mat. I mean, that, so, that I think, one is uh, a deep so I sleeper. Guess my, my one question for the room would be I mean, I think, I think Raz did touch upon this. Um, and I think I mean I'm I, I'm not mad at the take Raz because I I I haven't made my official list yet for for my favorite receivers yet but you know I, I'm not I'm not mad at, at either side of the Waddle or the Devonte Smith um, no no film for that but where would you guys stand on I think we're gonna give him another episode after but how, how's, how does the room feel about Devonte nope. Smith um, and Jalen Waddle? I'm projecting at the next level. We could definitely um, – I know Devontae specifically a lot of people made a lot of concerns about um, his size, um, but he showed so much um, in terms of body control, being able to get, like, ju- like uh, route running, just being a, a, a maestro at, at creating separation, you know, changing his uh, body contortion midair. So how do you guys feel about Devontae versus Jalen Waddle um, at the next level? Harvard uh, Marist- Marist- Marvin Harvin <laughs> Marison Jr. <laughs> We don't say that name on this podcast. I said, I said Harvin Marison. What are you talking oh, about? Oh, Harvin Marison. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. I said good. Harvin Marison. I know what I'm doing here. That nigga is a killer. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> <laughs> don't go to the car wash. <laughs> nah, but that's, I mean, that's, that's high praise, though, man. Uh, that that guy that played with Peyton Manning, he was really a, a wizard out there. So I mean, to, that's a lot of pressure. We keep giving pressure here's, to here's, here's I guess a serious question on Devontae. and like I don't know how to like if someone can put it to words for me. Like I I can't describe like how he gets open so easily, but he's open all the time. So if someone wants to jump in and see what they say or say what they see there, feel free because I don't even know how to describe it really. I mean, it plays to a lot, right? He runs he runs really good routes. But again, he also then was playing on on Bama, right? So it's not really. What are you going to do? Triple him? Like you, he made like plays. He, he made plays from the first time he stepped on that field. Even even while yeah. even while um Judy and and Rugs and and all those. But guys that's my field, point. He always but, had those. 
yeah. but he can't either way. Like even when he becomes like even when he became the top dog, it's not like you can send a double team or triple team out there because then you you have Waddle running down there open too. So it's just like that helps to why he was so open, right? But not to not to take away from anything that he has. Like he well, runs. He did, I, mean, I mean, to be fair, he did he did a lot of great work this year while Waddle was hurt. And I mean, yeah. like John Met- John Mechie's still right. really good too. Don't get me wrong, but Waddle wasn't there for a lot of the season. Perfect. But I'm just done. like. Yeah. I think he's the best route runner in this class. Devontae well, that Smith, helps. That is. <laughs> like that helps, doesn't it? Uh, like that yeah, helps. Best yeah. route runner, yeah, yeah. You know, he's got you know he's got that you know that quick you know quick release off the line, which definitely helps. You pair that off with that route running eliteness that he's got. I mean, that pretty much tells you right there how he's pretty much open on every single play. Yeah, and hey, hey, that's that's what you can see from from last year to this year. Because last year when they had Sark as their – or 2019, whatever year that was, when Sarkeesian was OC, a lot more RPO-based, right, with two of there. Yep. And so sometimes yep. that's going to create some natural sort of openings for you because you got guys looking in the backfield, looking at the mesh and the run. But then they did more pro-style stuff this year, and he still got open. So to your point, I think it really is what he does at the line. And so I think people look at him and they're like, you know, it's a little frail. All right, so I'm going to come up and put my hands on him. Then he beats you off the line. And runs past right. you, and now the next time you're up, you're like, "Oh, I got to back up." Now you back up. He catches it underneath. You go to tackle him. He shakes you, and he gets by you. So I think he just has multiple ways that he beats guys off the line. Yep. Um, but you know that concern about just his frame. I mean that that's going to be there. You know, even though his tape was amazing, he did it at the highest level in the SEC. People are just going to say, "Well, look, how many of these guys who look like him?" Um, you know, have had immediate success. But I won't say the name because I feel like there's something there. But uh, maybe the other guy who came after that guy for the Colts. uh, (laughs) That's a great one, too. That's a great one, too. A little bit down the line, um, you know, uh, who kind of learned up under Reggie Wayne. You know, he's kind of in that mold, too. So, uh, you know, I I love him. I do. I mean, I think the tape done a lot. I mean, the tape is legit and it done a lot. There's there's too much good tape. I think I think what it comes down for me because obviously I'm on the Waddle side of this this discussion. I think it's more so. I feel that Smith is going to be more of a a scheme whiteout on the seconds on the on the NFL level than Waddle will. I just think that's just my my initial thoughts. I think obviously Waddle's faster. I think Devontae has he's he's up there. Like I'm not. This is not. We're not bashing him. Like I'm just, we're just comparing the two top. Like right. That's what's going on. But it's like. Uh, he doesn't have the second gear and speed that that Waddle does, and I just think you know, like obviously blocking is going to be an issue for him, and I, that's that's about it. I think when you match him up that way, I think you know he's going to be more of a scheme. It depends on what offense he's in. Like he's always going to be able to get open. Don't get me wrong, but like to maximize his true potential, he's going to have to be in that a uh, right scheme that's going to use Devontae as the weapon that he is. I think Waddle is more plug and play for a lot of these offenses in the NFL. Could he be Will uh, could he who? Could he be Will Fuller? Yeah, but if he is Will Fuller, then right, then it's like you are you using a top ten pick on Will Fuller? No, I'm not. You're asking, Mike. You're asking if Jalen Waddle could be Will Fuller, correct? No. Oh no, no. I was saying about Devontae. Well, so like in terms of that question of okay, well, he has to go to a certain. I don't even. I don't think he has Will Fuller's like end speed, top end speed. No, he doesn't. I I don't either. (laughs) That's why I I thought you were comparing Waddle to him because the top end speed is much more comparable between Waddle and Fuller than Devontae and Fuller. 
but Antonio Brown's so much stronger than than Smith too, though. Like I think that's the thing. Like Antonio Brown, like he's not that big of a guy, but Antonio Brown is sturdy. Like he's a sturdy guy. He's stout. I think I think Devontae too. We probably we probably don't give him enough credit because he's five seven, but like he's kind of a freaky athlete too in the way he climbs the ladder and makes who, contested who? catches and high points the ball. Like it's who's, it's pretty. Wait, who's five seven? Devontae is he not? How tall is Devontae? I think the most underrated part of Smith's game is his strength because I think people just look at how much he weighs, but I think he's a, he's a strong dude. Like you see him go up there and you see him rip balls away from, from defenders. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not calling him a crackhead, but he got crackhead strength. Like, you see him on film, and <laughs> he's, he's doing stuff that dudes that 175 75 pounds, 170 pounds, shouldn't be doing out there to, to SEC defenders. <laughs> he's, got know, the so. AI, he's, he's got the AI, got the AI, of a blocker, AI body. <laughs> well, Sean, yeah, I mean, Sean, we were, Sean, we were watching that Mac Jones tape last week. I mean, there were multiple instances of Devontae just kind of bullying a dude at the top of a round. Um, and that, yeah, so that I, my, my off kilter, my off kilter, because I don't like I said, we don't like comps. But if we had to, like, put a dude in 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 a uh, like a, a tier for for his type of spear of where he's going to end up, like just route running wise and I, like the, the art of route running and the science behind route running and, and how every step matters about how you set up your defenders getting leverage on the inside and outside. Like he reminded me just as a route runner of Ocho Cinco. I'm not I'm not comparing the body type, but as a route runner, how he got open. Like it's a lot of stuff that I've seen, like Ocho, advanced, advanced wide receiver stuff. That like it's funny, and, and... it's funny that you say that because Ocho Ocho bigs him up a lot on social media and says, I played at this weight. You know, I played at this Yeah, exactly. yeah. Ocho yeah, was not one ninety. He probably wasn't even one ninety five, if we're being real. If Ocho, if you're a good route runner, Ocho really gasses you up on social media. And there's not a lot of them, but if you're a good route runner, Ocho will gas you the fuck up on Twitter. Smith is the best, I think. Uh, so I have we have two more. I have two more um streams. I want I mean clips I want to get to before we get out of here. Um, Raz, your guy, couple guys that you asked for. So um, we can start with we can start with Jalen Darden. Darden. Um, another another one of these mig. I'll let you I'll let you talk about Darden for a second. Somebody who you guys both had interest in. Um, I will run this tape. Mig, give us your thoughts on on Jalen Darden out of North Texas. Um, you know I don't think too. I don't think he'll be a one or two guy. Um, you know he. He had his own struggles, but I think, you know, when it comes to, you know, the only time I'm going to see him struggle is, you know, just that. And even that kind of is going against what I said, but I was going to say, but just, you know, the deep vertical threat, um, he's there. But, um, you know, when it comes to route running, he was kind of limited in that. Um, what does anyone got his size? Um, I had it earlier. To, uh, I got you. Phone, on. Phone sizes yeah, he's a, I think five um, seven. Yeah, he's just another one of these. There's just so many in this draft class. Five, five, just, five nine, one seventy five. Yeah, like I, I saw a tweet earlier, by the way. Like the average height for the DBs in this class is like a little over six feet. Um, so um, you know, it's kind of I know it's kind of changing that that way. But no, I like Darden. Um, you know, he he was a punt returner. 
I think for two years there. So he's one of these guys, if you're drafting him, he's definitely going to contribute in special teams. Um, I don't think he'll ever reach that one or two potential. I'm not taking him any dynasty drafts, um, but I do like him. I think he's going to be one of these, you know, he's better in the NFL than he is fantasy wise. Um, you know, he's, you know, he's got, I don't know. He, he played, he played hard. Um, you'll see on this place, this the one, no, it wasn't, but um, he, he high points the ball. Well, um, you know, especially for for a little guy. Um, I know uh, Raz was it you that liked him as well. Um, I yeah. was in on him earlier in the year, sometime around January. And the more tape I saw, the less I liked of him. Um, <laughs> but if you're taking them, if you're taking him pretty late, um, you know, I think I think you could do worse. But there's just so many people of this size that I, you know, I I think I take I my chances elsewhere. I think for me, it's about you know where he's gonna be drafted, right? So, like, you're not drafting him high. And I think for somewhere where you're going to get him, probably fourth, fifth, sixth, like, you're you're going to be able to get a person who's going to – a player that's going to help your roster, whether it's special teams or, you know, if you're trotting out four or five receivers, you know, he he's going to be able to make a play here or there. Route running, that I feel like he has a lot of room for improvement on route running. Just, going, just throwing that out there to start. Like, he's going to have to be able to improve his route running. But on intermediate routes already – he has enough fast twitch that he's able to get open just on that alone. So he's still pretty raw. And for someone that that size is kind of tough because, you know, if you're if you're that size, you need to come with a lot of that skill already to really succeed in the NFL. But I do think just the intangibles that he has and, you know, the versatility that he has just being able to help on special teams is going to get him on a roster. And then from there, he's going to be able to build on his wide out stuff. Yeah, it definitely depends on the team. You know, if you're a team that's going to use them, you know, running screens, bubbles, you know, any of these breaking patterns, uh, you know, I think he can excel in, in that scheme. Um, but he's definitely, like you said, a guy that's going to contribute to a team for sure. But, um, you know, fantasy-wise, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to hold off on this guy. even in, Yeah, you know, fantasy-wise, fantasy-wise, you're going to have to be – I'm going to have to be really in trouble if I'm if he's on the roster, right? Like if he's like, – I'll be taking my boy Elijah before him, you know. Yeah. He had an insane season though. Like I, I know, I know it's really easy. Like Scott Petty, he played at North Texas, but he had a grad, great season. Nineteen he, yeah, touchdowns, sixteen like a hundred. Like it's a that's a nineteen touchdowns in any college. Like it's pretty damn insane. You know what I'm saying? There's yeah. A, like there's a there's a nose for the ball you have to have, you know, to get to get up there. And I think, um, Raz, one one guy that I didn't want to touch upon, our last guy that we could that we could end on, um, Matt. I believe you're familiar with the family. Um, I'm on Ross St. Browns, another guy who I thought was pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, who who probably has a has a nice career ahead of him. You know, not the sexiest profile. Um, Matt, a I don't know possession you. receiver, though. This is uh, uh this is this is Equinemius' brother, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh, of course, of course. They you have, you couldn't tell by the name. Like that that whole you never know, man. Just, <laughs> you can't make assumptions, man. <laughs> Well, yeah, Raz, you could you could take us away on Equimania. I mean, I mean, Amon, as I as I bring up this uh, tape. <laughs> nah, man, he's just a sturdy, sturdy, strong, strong receiver. Like he's about five eleven, um, close to two hundred, and he, I will say, he's explosive. I think that's like the 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 misconception about him. Like his forty time didn't translate to like one of those fast times, but he has game speed. You know, oh, like everybody, that, that was a dork by kids yeah. as, as well. <laughs> oh boy. But uh yeah, now nah, he he always extends, he keeps the you know, he keeps the the extension on the the catches away and he brings them back in. Like he is his his hands are strong, like he has strong hands, he can track the ball in the air, 
His like his vertical is great. Like he, I love him, but he's I don't know where he's gonna go get drafted. I'm thinking like a second round pick, third round pick. But I mean, everybody says they they love him in the first round. I just don't see him getting drafted in the first round. But he no, has. I don't, see, the, I don't see him going in the first round. I don't but he has. I think he has the ability. He has the ability to be a number one receiver at at one point in his career. It's not gonna be. I don't know if it's gonna be like a long lived number one run. But like he has that type of talent. I, I don't know if he's a number one receiver. I don't know if he's a number one receiver. But he reminds me a lot of Sterling Shepard. Like, you just talk about the precision of, of of how both of those guys run their routes. You know, the ability to – Sterling Shepard can win deep. He not necessarily – he shouldn't really depend on it. He'll get he'll he'll get deep eventually. Um, You know, precise route runners, strong hands. Um, Both of them are good blockers you talk about. So, yeah, Sterling Shepard, another one of the guys that, that I love. Um, but yeah, I mean, right. I mean, uh, Mick, did you – how'd you feel about – or did you have – how'd you feel about um St. Brown? I didn't I didn't watch much on him prior to this, but no, I do like him. Um I think he's definitely gonna contribute. He is, you know, I think his, you know, his peak will be a number two guy. Um again, it goes kind of back to every single receiver in here scheme fits. That's that's a nice catch right there. Um you know, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, you know, just looking from uh the scouting report, they they did say his, you know, he his route running was pretty decent. So, you know, that definitely helps at the next level. That's one of the things I look at when I'm looking at receivers is uh route running. We've learned um every time I'm looking at these guys, I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking fantasy sports. So um just from the rookie receivers from the previous classes, you know, somebody that runs, you know, has, you know, better than average, you know, route running and can translate to the next level, I think they they have a better chance of being productive. Um, you know, I, I like I like him. Um, he's got he's got pretty good hands. Um, like, I, like I said, I didn't, I didn't read too much into him. I see him as a safety blanket for whatever quarterback gets him. Right, like if you're if you're a quarterback that can build and grow with him, like one of these young quarterbacks, he's gonna end up being that guy's like it's third and six. I need a catch. I think you can throw it to him. Like his he's he, like and and that's a, it's perfect that you said it, Raz. I think it's a perfect example of what I saw. This was this was a big this was in that USC UCLA game. It's a pretty he usually makes this grab. This catch yeah. ends up, you know, it's a it's, it's a big and it changes the whole momentum of the game. Now, his next his next opportunity in this play is game on the line. You know what I'm saying? Fourth quarter, where we at down two, 21 seconds left. First and goal, they're going right back to him. And he makes the play. Another me. another jump ball for a guy who's not he's not huge. And and, and that was impressive to me because you know, like they, they went right back to him and he 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 was sure-handed on the grab. And you know another one, guys. He's not. He's not huge. I believe he's about like six one. I think that um, might be generous. Yeah, too. It's another, another he's guys. five eleven. Five eleven and a half. They got him at so six feet. Five eleven. Five eleven. Five eleven. Yeah, five eleven. But like you know, uh, you need you need your slot receivers. Um. So I mean, this is this has been a this has been a great episode. I definitely got a shout out to the Deep Cover Podcast. Um. For had for hopping in the draft. Um, for the film room with us. Um, so I mean, we could we could end on on these last takes. Mike, Chris, Carey, um, shout out to y'all. Um, support the podcast any way you can. Um, so I mean, since we are on the receivers, um, any so I guess we could say if you guys could do one perfect fit for the team, um, any receiver that's in this class that you guys feel like might be a great fit, um, for the for the Ravens in the draft, whether that's in the any any other any one of the first rounds. I mean, uh, first through third rounds, wherever they might take a receiver. Um, final takes, and then uh, Mig, Matt, and and uh, Raz. Any final takes on receivers that we had we might not have covered? Um, that you guys are feeling. So, Mike, I guess we can't start with you. Who do you think would be a great fit on this uh, Ravens team if they add another receiver? Well, I like looking at connections, and the guy that you just showed has that connection, right? T. Martin, 
who recruited him and coached him there at USC, mm, is now the wide yep. receivers coach uh, for the Ravens. And he actually has some really good things to say about him because he said, look, I've had I've recruited guys like Juju, Nelson Aguilar, Marquise Lee, even going back to Randall Cobb at Kentucky. And he said Amin yep. Ra was the first guy who learned all three positions. He kind of got some as a, run, as a receiver. Too. Yeah, he's he had, as a receiver. Randall he's like, I've never, I've never had any. Yep. I mean, as a freshman, he's I never had any other freshman learn all three of the wide receiver positions who wasn't an early entry. You know, who had like extra time on campus. And he said Amin Ra picked it up like that. So uh, talked about his football IQ. Talked about his, you know, his competitive toughness and that kind of thing. So I think a lot of Ravens fans are like, look, we don't need a, another smallish body type kind of guy. So people probably might not really feel that pick. But I just like that connection. And and I've actually watched a, a fair amount of him and. I think he's a tough dude. I like the way he plays. Chris, how about you, man? Uh, you know, I'm going to go with my guy, Tyler Wallace. Uh, not just for what he does on the field, but uh, also he was a guy that earned a captain, that uh, earned being the captain the last game of the year. Um, and the Ravens, more than half their draft class were captains. So they like those high-character guys because, you know, like Raz has been saying, they're not going to throw the ball around. So they're going to want guys that are going to stay in the game and not start pouting and calling themselves soldiers and demanding the ball. <laughs> so, so um, you know, I, I think... Just, oh, you know, no TikTok dances, man. <laughs> just on, on the outside looking in, he looks like the kind of guy that, that has that temperament where, you know, he's going to play, he's going he's to, you know... He, he looks like a good fit. Yeah, he blocks his ass off. He's going to, you know, do everything, but on the... You know, on the receiving side of the game, too, he brings something that they don't really have, a guy that could go up and go get the ball. And, you know, a guy who could do a little bit of it all as far as the yak ability, the intermediate routes and the deep routes. They don't really have a guy that can attack all three levels like that and bring the same kind of physicality that he has. So that would be my pick. Hey, man, what's the point of having soldiers if you ain't going to use them? (laughs) 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 Kerry, where you at with it, man? operate um you know in the quick and uh, route and I the dude that in years he could be a guy that that you know might feel high level star that a build down build off of the D but I think he has some nice little areas to game uh quick game he's an I really I think that's that. So yeah, so like I said, shout out to Kerry. Kerry gonna get you in here on a on a better connection next time, my guy. Mig, what's your what's your final takes? Any any other receivers that that yes. you that you fans of that you feeling um as we as we approach close to the draft season? Yes, I do. So uh Mike, if you like physical receivers, Jonathan Adams Jr., Arkansas mm-hmm. State. Uh boy is six three two twenty. Um, if I'm not mistaken, he finished first in the uh, in college last year with 20 contested catches, uh, 12 touchdowns, 79 reception, 1100 yards. Um, you know, I think he'll find a fit in the NFL. Definitely, you know, red zone target for sure. Um, super, super physical guy. Does not shy away from it. I would not either if I was 6'3", 220. And you know, the one, th- <laughs> you know, he's not quick. I don't really expect him to be too quick, being that size. But um, you know, I do think he's going to find a fit um, on some team. Um, in the NFL next year or, or this year, he he's projecting to go, you know, either undrafted or super late, but, um, you know, 
Um, there's one guy that I do think, you know, is going to be pretty successful, not not too flashy at all, but he'll be definitely be able to contribute to, you know, these teams in the red zone next year. Jonathan Adams Jr., Arkansas State. Matt, you got any final takes or anybody that you would – who do you think could be a good fit on the, on the Packers, actually? Um, this actually we, we didn't cover that actual um, side of the receivers, but who do you think actually fits um, in the LeFleur offense and actually like somebody like Aaron Rodgers could – could make a star out of it. If you get the if you give Aaron Rodgers the right guy, you know, that's a that's a you know, that's a that's an early dynasty investment pick if we're talking about returning early early value. So where you at with it, Matt? Well, I think any one of those kind of gadget guys that we hit on, kind of the smaller slot guys that you can maybe use in the backfield out of the slot on end arounds, mm-hmm. jet motion, stuff like that. So you know, we hit on most of them. Tony, Rondale, and Elijah Moore, guys like that. I think that could be an ideal fit for them, um, especially where, I mean, in all seriousness, an offense like that, like receivers are expected to block. But when you've got a guy there like an Alan Lazard, who is already one of the best blocking wide receivers in the league, that can make maybe take some of the weight off of those guys. So, yeah, I think like a gadget, like some of those guys that you just get them in open space and you scheme up uh, explosive plays for them. I think any one of those could be really, really fun in that Packers office. One more guy I'm going to shout out, shout out because he should have been and this year's draft class, injury held him back. He almost undoubtedly, in my mind, would have gone the first round. Uh, he's supposed to be back this upcoming year, but that's Justin Ross at Clemson because, man, if we remember what he did in the national championship game a couple of years yeah. ago, alongside T. Higgins, that was some special stuff. So he had that spinal injury. I think he's supposed to come back this fall. So maybe he's someone that we're talking about next year. And if he's full strength, that's someone I'd be really excited to see. Shout out, Chris All right, we'll let, Yeah, shout out to Chris Olavi as well. That's another one. Um, yep. We talked about him earlier. Um, Raz, I'll let you finish it off. Um, one guy that I will definitely say has my uh, my eyes that I'm on right now, somebody who I'm not sure, he might be a day two or day three guy, but, you know, he I think he has an argument for being the fastest guy in his class. If you want to talk about speed, and this is, like I said, this is the this is the class of, of these little speed demons. So if you talk speed, quickness, agility, explosiveness, uh, body skills, um, definitely Dwayne Eskridge out of Central Michigan. Um, somebody who you know he I've seen his he puts defenders DBs on their heels immediately. Um, I, like somebody who you, you rarely see defenders look comfortable, you know, trying to stick him. He's smooth in and out of his breaking routes. Um, can definitely run slants and posts. Um, and, you know, I think I think he, he's really tough for you know one of these mid major guys. So I actually think. Receiving class like this, you know, yeah, it's four three eight speed as well, you know. So that's somebody who, yeah, they they tried to, they tried to run him at cornerback, which you know, like, which is why he's he's still raw. So like, you know, that kind of messed up his development a little bit. But somebody definitely to keep an eye on if he ends up in in that right scheme. You could definitely see him, you know, just being that that elite vertical field stretcher. Um, that every team every team needs to be honest, especially like. Um, when you're running all the misdirection that teams need, you need guys who are going to scare them over the top to open up those other lanes. Um, Raz, you can finish finish this off, my brother. Um, any last takes, and you can wrap this up, man. Um, yeah, I mean, we can we can talk about. I got I got Daz Newsom, um, out of North Carolina. I think he can be a very solid uh slot receiver in the league. And then just one more that we could touch on before we leave. Um. I'm blanking on his name. Cade, Cade Johnson. He go to yep. South Dakota State, I think, this year. I think he played um somewhere else, but he had we had transferred out. Um, he's he's kind of just a deep threat, but I'm interested to see how he translates to the next level too. But we are we are touching 
over two two hours. We had two hours and about six minutes. So I do thank everybody for rocking with us today. Um, I was a bit tardy. So, brothers, I appreciate y'all hopping on here with the draft season podcast. We we do appreciate y'all. If y'all want to give any last plugs, a lot of plugs to any of your work. Real quick, let the people know where they can get you. Chris, Mike Carey, that's on y'all. Yeah, deep deep cover podcast. We on all your po- uh, your podcast platforms. I'm on Twitter at Abukari, A B U K A R I. So if you're looking for Mike, you won't find me. It's Abukari. Uh, <laughs> Chris is at Chris Just Joking, and Carey is at Carey Thirteen Thirteen. So you can find us all there on Twitter. Always chopping it up, talking football, talking Ravens. Those two talk more NBA than me, so you can you can you can tap in on the NBA with them too if you if, if that's your thing. Appreciate you, fellas, man. This has been a Thank great episode. Sense. Miggy, Miggy, Matt, yo, yo. always love. Y'all know what it is. Um, Matt, you know, let them know where they can find you out in Wisconsin. At Matt underscore infield on Twitter. Like I said, last show on Instagram, you know, I, might, I may or may not accept your follow request, but it's at Matt underscore <laughs> infield there as well. So do I give it a shot? Go for it. That's in the podcast. We out of here, man. Thanks for rocking with it.